I'm all right now, Demonette. Come unlock this chain and let me out. I'm all right now. It's your husband, Creature. It's an N-word. I wonder what would happen if I said it wrong to Bruce Campbell's face, Carrie. She, she's nothing. She just she heard the name Bruce Campbell and she just smiled really big. She doesn't even care what I said now. Now it's in her head. La la la, Bruce Campbell. La la la, me and Bruce Campbell at the wedding chapel. Just drinking my wine. <laughs> Thinking about Bruce Campbell. Hey, Carrie, I have not forgotten that there's a surprise waiting for me later this season when we discuss Predator. Yep. You want to tell me what that is? No. That surprise would be... Um, that's all I'm going to say. <sighs> Fine, then don't tell me. But if you were ever standing on the side of the road, and I was driving by, and I began to honk my horn, just know I would yell out of my window at you and say i go to hell i'm not honking at you in a very much unnecessarily mean-spirited manner while driving someone else's car under the influence of moonshine um sands the feathered hair by the way at the beginning of evil dead one when they're all in the car together is that a real map that ash has or was this created for this movie it, it looks to be created as a prop it doesn't look real Looks like something you do for a D&D campaign. I'm just wondering. Because if that was a real map, and we have maps like those, I could forsake GPS for cool, spooky, illustrated maps that sort of look like treasure maps a grandpa would make for his grandkids on a scavenger hunt, where you spend all this time looking for quarters, when really the best part is the awesomely cool map. Oh, you know what it is? She's still on the Bruce Campbell stupor. That's why she's she's off in La La Land, holding hands, rolling around in the grass from Bruce Campbell. <laughs> no Speaking denial whatsoever. Speaking of Bruce Campbell, he plays Ash Williams. Yes. Yes. He also doubles as your second husband. So we've got Cheryl, played by Ellen Sandwies. Scotty, Scott, Richard, Demanicore. Betsy Baker is Linda. This initial version of Linda. Yeah, there's like three, three versions. Lindas. The three, yeah, three versions. When we go to episode 10 and talk about Army of Darkness, there's a very famous, more famous place, mm -hmm. place, face playing Linda. Yep. Um, Teresa Tilly is Shelly. Um, interesting thing, Carrie, that I wanted to note about. Um, about the Raimis. And they do this quite often throughout the Evil Dead series. Do you know what a fake shimp is? So that's where they use somebody, like if somebody's busy doing something else in the movie, they'll yeah. have like a look-alike, but it's not actually them. Mm. So that's what, that comes from the Three Stooges and okay. shimp. Okay, so it, it's like a, a thing, you've got all these fake shimps throughout that are supposed to be the person. Yeah, and I see a lot of influence, especially on oh Evil gosh. Dead 2 and Oh yeah. You know, Army of Darkness. There's a lot of Absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, we're gonna move right along in this episode nine, where we're gonna talk about Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two. 
And I've got to say, Carrie, I'm a little surprised at your ratings, but more on that later. Um, again, directed by Sam Raimi, produced by Roger, excuse me, Robert Tappert. Um, cinematography, Tim uh, Philo, Philo, sorry, Tim. Um, edited by Edna Ruth Paul. Music by Joe LaDuca. Production company, Renaissance Pictures. Distributed by New Line Cinema. Release date, October 15th, 1981. That had to have been one of the best Octobers ever. Oh, yeah. Um, you and I had a conversation about 1981 possibly being the best year in horror ever. Uh, at the Redford Theater. And then later, <coughs> further distributed, uh, April 15th. Um a couple of years later, apparently that's, that's an interesting that release date. Interesting. We need, we need to, we need to take note of that re- release date, like two years later, a year and a half later running time. These are short movies. I, I, and I don't know why it, it didn't dawn on me until dead by dawn, dead by dawn. It didn't dawn on me until we just rewatched these, how short these movies are. Yeah. Um, it makes them watching them in succession easier though. It really does. You can do an Evil Dead marathon very easily, very quickly. Um, the first three. We, we'll get into the remake, Evil Dead Rise coming out, which we're going to see in a couple of weeks. I cannot wait. And if I have to take one for the team and you just go, and I'll stay home with the kids, we can we can even take turns. Okay, we can figure I, this out. We're I'd not ra- going to miss Evil Dead Rise release. I'd rather you can go as the. Yeah, we'll see. We'll... We're going to at least send Carrie as the Dive for Midnight ambassador, and I'm willing to take one for the team, but just realize how many brownie points that that, that equates to. I'm totally cool with this, because this is your franchise, Carrie. We can't miss it, and if anybody was going to go see this right out of the gate, it's you. So we're going to start off. We're going to switch up the format just slightly um, since we're talking about two movies, and let's talk about the original Evil Dead, favorite moments that define... This small-budget horror film that has inspired four-plus decades of well-made shoestring-budget horror, okay? There is a lot of people that start off making horror films that say, Evil Dead. I, I watched Evil Dead, and I thought, why the hell not? Why can't we do yeah. that? And they, not not meaning you and I. I'm not, no. I'm not ever going to make oh. a film. This podcast is just my speed. <laughs> no, I can't foresee making a film ever what i can do is doing a you know excerpts uh writing some story short stories yeah your horror etc we're we're tossing around some ideas for some original story ideas like we're gonna do like a little one or two chapter story hour um not gonna give anything away yet but it's a work in progress work in progress there's a couple ideas we're kicking around um so in the beginning of this film, Carrie, when we were watching it, I want to talk about the camera shot behind the big yellow car as the bridge turns to a trail and that slow approach to the cabin. Isn't that a cool shot? Yeah, it, it is. Um, and, and then the next thing you see is this creepy swing. The swing, the bench yeah, swing. It always creeped me out. I just, the creaking and banging up against the, the banging rail. banging up against the, the house. It's mm-hmm. like, there's no way a swing like that would bang up against the house and you're not seeing a big wind. It's so still. You know, it would be it would be one thing like 
they approach this cabin and the wind kicks up and the it's it's whistling through the trees but no you just hear bang 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 Um, almost like that cabin has a little bit of its own like it's alive well, and there's more of that in Evil Dead too, where yes. it actually does it have does. a face it to does. the cabin, um, and we'll get to that later. So, Carrie, it's interesting to me that, and am I remembering this correctly? Who who did you watch Evil Dead with? Was it me? Did I show you that them all to you in order? Like, was that the first time? Like, whenever we were first married. I don't know if we were married or if we were dating in college. Was it in college that you saw these for the first I think, time? I think it was in college. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to note, Jake, the Midnight Traveler, and I were just conversing. And he reminded me that I saw he's got an Army of Darkness poster that Ooh. he got back at, during our IUP days. And he wow. still has it. He was like, I just moved to the 12th dimension. And I... I, uh, he's like, I'm putting that sucker up. He's like, no matter where I go, that army of darkness poster follows with me. Good call, Jake. And, and I, I didn't even know this, that that's his favorite too. Oh, that's my favorite. Yeah. So we'll get more to favorites in the evil dead franchise later. So this is re- like you grew up with a lot of Carpenter films, Carrie, mm-hmm. and you grew up with Friday the 13th or Halloween, especially. Yeah. And, and I Scream. grew up with Hitchcock and movies. Oh, Hitchcock was yeah. like your, it was my, that yeah. was your entry into horror was Hitchcock. Yeah. Which I, we got to get some Hitchcock movies on for season two more. Well, we've got some later in this I season. Know. But we've got what? Rear, Rear window, window that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. at the very least. Yes. Um, excellent. So Carrie is our resident uh, Hitchcock expert. And um, what other? You're, you're the Evil Dead expert as well. Um, but I was surprised. I don't know why I had in my head like you knew of Evil Dead before you and I even met. No, there there would be no way, especially with the content of the first Evil Dead. There's no way I would have been exposed to it unless you know unless I was you had by an myself. Awesome boyfriend turned husband that showed you all these awesome movies, <laughs> and that I wanted to spend all my free time with you watching cool movies together. Oh yeah. To this very day, <laughs> and now we're indoctrinating our children. And pretty soon, our dog is going to have its own horror movie podcast. <laughs> I think she's more popular than us. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short, Carrie. <laughs> it's going to be Carrie and Bruce Campbell and our dog, and I'm just going to get totally cucked. <laughs> now, remind me, who rented the cabin in the first place? Um, I always thought it was Ash, but I'm starting to think it Scotty? was... Scotty? So that's the whole dynamic, or from the audience's perspective on Ash versus Scotty. Scotty <laughs> Round know. one fight. Oh, please don't start. Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> Scotty really doesn't know what the hell is about to hit him in this cabin in the Tennessee woods. Um, oh my God. There's a whole, we could do a mashup of Scotty from evil dead and Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> um, Euro trip. If you haven't watched that, that's a lot of fun. I love that movie. I think that it's, I think it's Scotty because whenever they're approaching, he's the one driving. Mm-hmm. And, and he's the one with the keys. He gets the keys too. But that is Ash's car though. So this is this is what I mean. We're going to get more into this later because Ash, Ashy Slashy, he did not come out of the gate 
as the hero. No, no it was Scotty to start with. Yeah. And we'll talk Scotty more. Scotty took charge. Scotty took charge. Uh, and Ash was very timid, but again, more on that later. I mean, I, I just remember Ash is the first one to find the Necrocomicon. So, and this is the only Nep, Nep, <laughs> this is the only Necronomicon in my mind in the entire franchise, Carrie, that actually looks like human skin. And it's smaller. I like all the books, but this one is my favorite look. Um, Carrie, what else did you like about like the this movie in general like the setting I, or i thought it was interesting you know the inky clouds covering the moon as cheryl approaches the woods and then eventually is taken in the woods but you know i feel like the moon with the fog there's definitely a theme evil dead uses fog better than any other movie i would like to go back and watch Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, since that was Raimi who directed it. Yeah. And see if he used a lot of fog in that one. Like how many different Evil Dead nods were in yeah. that. Because I, I know that there is. There, Espe- there especially be, when yeah. she becomes like possessed, basically, and right. she's in that room. Anyways, <clears throat> the inky clouds, I love how they did that. And I noticed as we went from Evil Dead 1 to Dead by Dawn to Army of Darkness, that they used less and less of the inky clouds. Mm-hmm. And I wish they would have kept that because it was like all pretty much the gritty X-rated film. And part two, you still had a lot of that, but then it was like a hybrid with the comedy. And then Army of Darkness was like full on. Like if if you're saying Army of Darkness is a hybrid genre, I actually would put horror as the last subgenre if I had to list them. Like what elements are in Army of Darkness? And we'll talk more on that later. So yeah. This film, the graininess, the Kodiak 16 millimeter film used to make this um, down to the illustrations in the book, the quality of the audio recording by Professor Noby, just the branches and the limbs that tie Cheryl down, um, violate her, transfer the evil dead inside of her. What a wicked way to pull off. It's not like a... We're not talking about, oh, this ghoul bit me. It's like, no, she just got raped by the woods. Yeah. And Which that, that's, I that know. scene always, I, I have a hard time still to this day watching that scene. So we've got our own like video nasties list in, in our house of things that the kids aren't ready for yet. This is one of them. Yeah. Um, because of that scene. Because of that. Now, are they allowed army of darkness? Yeah, yeah, because it's so it's so far on the other end of the spectrum. Um Carrie, uh, can you talk a little bit more about like the impact cuz this we when we rewatched it, I would say more than ever any of the other times that we watched Evil Dead, especially the original, and what it does to the whole franchise. Like tell me more cuz you had a lot to say when we were watching it about Cheryl. Uh, you know, I think it's easy to forget that Cheryl is Ash's sister. Um you know, it gives a lot more emotional weight right out of the gate. Immediately, the first person possessed is his sister. You know, in and, and that moment, he's lost most of his family. Besides, you know, his father, which we find out later um, in, in the series. But I forgot about the dad. I mean, you you have that. He just lost his family, you know his closest family. I think it's easy to forget that Cheryl is Ash's sister. 
Um, you just think she's just another friend. Well, and then upon multiple rewatches, every time I watch it, it's like, oh my God, that that's a lot of emotional weight right out of the gate. And I mean, the scene the, in the, the woods, it's genuinely a bleak film and yeah. very sad. You actually feel emotional for Ash, like all of them, but it's like, um, he's traumatized at, by the end of the movie. He really is traumatized. Well, and the way, the way that he reacts in the original evil dead, it's more of anguish and agony than like the slapstick. Like, yeah, come get some, yeah. you know, like he's not <clears throat> at all the hardened action hero ash we're not there yet no with this movie um the other thing that i want to make sure we mention because th this is a big one this is what um kind of revolutionized the low budget horror and this is what the original evil dead is known for and you've gotta when you talk evil dead the 1981 original you've got to talk about the camera work um how it was used to establish shots things that it did um, either for the first time or reintroduced old um, camera techniques. Mm -hmm. um, it, I keep coming back to this quote, and I don't, I don't know who they attribute this quote to, but, but I think you can, you could see where they call this the shooting. This crew was inexperienced, and they all call it "quote unquote" a comedy of errors. Their experience filming this, they actually got lost in the woods during the um, bridge scene. Because of the cabin's remoteness, like some of the crew members got injured. So getting medical attention was like really difficult because of how low budget this film was. There was the the contact lenses. Remember when we read about Thriller and mm -hmm. Michael Jackson making Thriller with um, what is his name from American, the made American Werewolf in London and Animal House, John Landis. Yeah. Uh, how thick the contact uh, lenses used to be and how it was like it was like agony wearing those contact that, lenses. Like it would physically hurt. That goes back to my mom said whenever she first tried contacts, you know, as a teenager, she couldn't wear them because they were that hard glass and she, she couldn't stand them. Um, so they had to use those thick things to, to achieve the demonic eyes effect. Even though some of the storyboarding was considered crude, the the crew was surprised whenever he started using these things called Dutch angles to build atmosphere during the sing. Um, they had like all these really low budget, elaborate like camera dolly rigs. Um, they used to like mount the camera um, like on these long wooden platforms that they would like slide up and down to give like a more fluid sense of motion. Um, it, you know, when you think about it, it probably them being inexperienced allowed them to explore more and be more creative. So during the scenes involving like from the deadites perspective, like they were attaching, like, it's funny because this evil dead, especially the first one, it does have almost like that found footage shaky cam reveal. Whenever you're from like the undead, the deadite perspective, yeah. there is that like, holy shit, this is like it has the found it's not a found footage but it has the found footage so they used to take the camera and like mount it to just you know pieces of wood i've i've not admittedly looked at like behind the scene pictures of what the equipment looked like but like this idea of them like running around like i even um i even read that and i've known this one for a while this is the one that like always gets people's attention um 
like one they had like the cameras on pieces of wood they were like running over logs and stones tripping all the ways like going through swamp um and, and of course like they were trying to use the mist but then it like proved really difficult during editing and whatnot um they had a camera mounted to a bike um which helped create some of those really long like takes that yeah. wouldn't stop um so yeah that i wanted to mention all that because I think um, it's really important, like when you're talking about, like, hey, and Joe Bob talked about this too, like, oh, I can't, I, people that really want to make a movie but don't have the means. Uh, remember, we just watched one cut of the dead. Yeah. And he has that big, long speech at the end saying, yeah, guys, if you, especially nowadays, it, you don't need all the money in the world to make a really good horror just film. Just find people that really want to be a part of the project. And he even mentions, and I, I agree with this, and I'm sure all the other horror fans out there do. If you've got the energy and excitement, like the money will follow. Like it's honestly, it's like doing this podcast. If you're doing it thinking that you're going to <clears throat> like skyrocket right out of the gate and you're going to become this. That's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because you and I love horror movies and people that like, I wanted to bring that up because I think it is so cool when I see movies like, like Damien Leone's terrifier. And I, you know, I know nowadays even we've got the Indiegogo that helps these yeah. guys kind of put their vision. Like, and they're thinking like, how am I going to make this? I've only got $5,000 from some of me and my friends, put money in the yeah. and then it takes that and it jumps it to like, Three hundred thousand, a half a million, one million dollars. And then you have the actors that just want to be a part of it that yeah. are willing to take a percentage of the movie that the, that it makes versus an or, actual. Or even they make like look at Terrifier too. Remember, like ten years ago when we were watching All Hallows Eve, like how low, low budget it looked, and now it's like the sleeper slasher of the past twenty years. The Terrifier yeah. too. I mean, it it just made that huge jump. And I've always said like, it's. Terrifier 2 is where we were at whenever Friday the 13th Part 2 came out. Like, they, yes, people knew of Art the Clown, but he didn't become huge until right now. And that's what happened with Friday the 13th and Jason. That was the first time we saw Jason. So, to like, I'm not an expert in filmmaking. I know Jack Squat, mm -mm. but it's just, it's exciting to talk about the camera work and like just the hodgepodge. They had to rig things, they wanted to do it so badly. They would do things that made sense to nobody, nobody. else, but they yeah. still did it. Like and that it is worked. so that is so much guts. Like I just love that. And it worked. And it and it, it freaking worked masterfully. <laughs> like, and who the hell knows? Like you could do something and people are like, if you're gonna not do something just because somebody says something negative to you, forget it. You're already defeated. Like, just do it. Oh, uh, and that's what I love about this. And um so sorry, I'm like completely getting, I'm getting emotional about this camera work here and uh, I'm, t I'm taking this on a whole other direction. Boy, so. you do sound like you want to make a film right now. I would love to back somebody else's film. That would be cool. I always wanted to write a movie. Well, that's, well yeah, well, I'm cool with the podcast now. <laughs> don't please but yeah i'm please. not ready for that let's let's have some of your original story ideas in the second segment first for the love of god we don't need to go there right now <laughs> well uh, you know it's just putting it out there oh my god am i creating a monster um uh -uh. maybe I don't okay know. so carrie um 
I completely like just ran over. You did. <laughs> you you started this with the Scotty doesn't know. So you were talking about how um, we started saying how Scotty is really like the hero. Yeah. To start off with. He. By the way, he's really fast. <laughs> Like the dude's a freaking ninja. That's I mean, how fast what, he is at the start what, of this. Is he a cross country runner or something? Like for the way that he moved, man. Um, and you know the the first film it, it sets up Scotty as being the tough male at first, taking action. Yeah, not Ash. Not Ash. Yeah, he's the quick thinker and mover. Ash is more cautious. Even even though it's Ash's sister, Scotty seems in charge at first, and actually. The first 47 minutes of the film, Ash is timid, frozen, knocked around. And, you know, Scotty, he has to axe his own woman. Um, and, and also, we've got a final guy. Yeah. Not, not a final, a final yeah. girl with this franchise. So, Which is something different that you really haven't seen before, in, in my opinion, from the films that I've seen. You know? Everybody I mean, thinks everybody thinks that it's like Ash from the get go. No, he he actually was like kind of a a bit of a coward in all this at first. Like he was shaken to his core, and it was Scotty taking charge. Yeah, and, and a few minutes later, you know, fifty minutes, and he turns from hero to cold blooded son of a bitch, and he says he's just getting out. Yeah, of there's there. that one moment. Like I'm like, wait, whoa, wait a second. He's about to leave them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He is trying to convince ash to go with him but it's like i'm getting out of here you want to come along or no and he's just like well linda can't move you know and, and i can't leave <laughs> linda and it's like scotty's like fuck linda you know i got the sense when the shit hit the fan like scotty did all the heavy lifting he's like holy shit like is anybody else gonna like pull their weight here and um there was definitely the sense like he saw everybody as useless when things got rough. Yeah. I mean, Scotty's true colors are revealed. Yeah. So he's like, okay, nobody else is going to do anything. Everybody's dying. Um, there's a demonic entity and I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'm out. Peace out, man. You can come along if you want, but I'm out. Yeah. We should have known he would have acted like that. Whenever the two guys on the side of the road is like, Oh, go to hell. I'm not honking at you. Like, dude, that's mean. You don't, that's mean. Don't be so mean. To complete strangers that are just waving at you, like. Well, I certainly don't want to invite strangers into my life, but I. It was just like, hmm. He just like honked and had a problem with those guys waving at him. What's that all about? Um, it was a little, a little touchy to begin with in this movie, and then that circled back around. He's like, oh, he's gonna ditch Ash now. <laughs> uh, <coughs> I didn't, excuse me, I didn't remember that that he, that he had had that moment where it's like, I'm out of here. See ya. You're on your own. Um. Carrie, before we go way, way deep on any more Scotty, the the would be hero that never was. Um, yeah, the hero turned. Uh, I'm gonna survive this no matter what. Um, favorite characters and quotes in Evil Dead One. So I'm going, and I and I'm stealing your thought, Carrie. I'm going with Cheryl. Ash asks her whenever she comes running back to the cabin screaming. He says, what's it, something in the woods? No, Ash, it's the woods themselves. I, I'm imagining we're too young to have had seen this when it first come out. We, I mean, we weren't even born. No, I was going to say, um, no way. <laughs> you know, a year and a half, two years before we were born. But, uh, you know, the 
the branches and the limbs. Like, can you imagine being in the audience seeing this for the first time? Like, the woods themselves are attacking me. Because in slashers, it's normally, or, or excuse me, in horror movies, it's somebody, it's some monstrous, like, it's a, it's, there's always a face to the evil. And now we've got the elements in nature. And of course, the undead that's fueling these things, attacking yeah. her. Um, I love the way, too, by the way. Um, I, I just have to throw this in there. The, the, you had mentioned this about mm-hmm. Hellbender. It's funny that we did Hellbender before this. Because this is the second episode in a row where we talk about a movie where the woods is a setting, or excuse me, is a character, a character itself. And even more so than Hellbender. But the elements and even inorganic things, guys, it's not even like they made um, the bridge like the twisted steel beams, beams and like resembled a claw. Um, yeah. And they, they've like turned the bridge into another character. And, and you know, as soon as I saw it, it reminded me of what Beetlejuice tried to do with well, those sculptures. They did it first and then Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be, yeah. I would be interested to know what they were thinking of Beetlejuice, but um, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but there was that, that moment when they're guessing the cards, the two women are, are guessing the cards. They're like doing the ESP thing. And they're totally like screwing the, go- with the, each go- other. the Ghostbusters thing where Vankman's trying to hit on the students saying, hey, which card is yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know why that popped into my head, but it's a like ESP, ESP, ESP card guessing in horror films. That's a whole episode right there. Um, you can hear Cheryl's voice change as she easily guesses the cards with increasing frequency. She's not even looking at them. Yeah. She's like, you know, uh, ace of spades, queen of hearts, eight of what, you know, clubs, whatever it was, um, with complete certainty, like inhumanly fast. I completely forgot about that, that that was, that was an excellent moment right before Cheryl is revealed to be the very first Kondarian demon we see. Kondarian. Thank you. See, oh God, look how touchy the deadite is about her franchise. Um, I love it too, but Kandarian. Kandarian. Thank you. Kandarian demon. She's the first one we see on screen ever, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Carrie, what, what about you? So besides Ash, I agree with you on Cheryl. She has some, even before she's possessed, she has some foresight when mm-hmm. she's drawing um, she draws, you know, the book of the dead. Well, is, to, in a manner. Uh, but, yeah, but but the deadite, did you notice her hand was turning yes. to that gray and the infected yes. through her veins? So she I, actually was beginning to be taken over sort of in that moment. Uh, well, the, it, it was controlling her it, hand. It alludes to it. No, no, no. Yes. I'm going to disagree with you. Her hand had changed yes. color. And I know that, but That's... it wasn't fully possessing her because it hadn't touched her. Yes, but it didn't allude to it. It flat out showed you that her hand was possessed. <laughs> Are you sure? Or maybe yes. it was another thing messing with her mind. Maybe it was going through her mind okay. and trying to, you know. Let's agree to disagree. Oh, we will disagree. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It... <laughs> Don't mess with me right now. Okay. She's got the, she's got the, she's got the evil dead strength from her wine. Is that Kondarian wine? 
Did you get that from the Kandarian Castle 1300? It's been aged since 1300. Kandarian. 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 You say Kandarian, I say Kandarian. <laughs> I'm really agitating her with this one. So. And, and it's French wine, by the way. Now, it's really sad that Ash is the one to finally put her out of her misery. And he has to chop his girlfriend's head off in the same film. You know, it's not like one of them survives. You know, they both die. Ash loses everything in a matter of hours. No one returns for the sequel. Well, well except for the new Linda. Except for Linda number two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? If you got a bunch of women together, you could go as all the Lindas for Halloween. That, that would, would be, be cool. really cool. I could go for this after the third one. Um, what is the actress's name in Army of Darkness? I can see her face. I can see her face. Wasn't she in Single, Single White, White Female? Female? Yep. Okay. So um, have... we're going to take a quick timeout for the actress. Single. I think I, I remember the last name. Oh, dude. Yeah. It's Jennifer Jason Lee. Correct? No, it's not. No, um, Bridget Fonda. Bridget Fonda. Oh, why did I, I say Jennifer Fonda. Jason I knew it was Fonda. Um, I, I knew Fonda. I couldn't remember her first name. Dun, 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 dun. Gonna be somebody's Linda tonight. <laughs> Gonna shine so bright. That's why. I don't know why. I, Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, she is in Single White Female, though. Yes. It's just not Bridget Fonda, who plays Allie in Single White Female. And is also our third Linda. Um, Short-haired Linda, too. Yeah, I could go as her. <clears throat> you could go. I, I really like that. Gosh, that's hot. Okay, Carrie, you know what you have to be for Halloween. <laughs> or cosplay. Or other times. <laughs> so. Regarding Cheryl. I wonder if you dressed up as the third Linda and met Bruce Campbell. He would like trick and be like, hey, hey, give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> Anyways, now I'm taking over again and going way off the path. As Cheryl turns, Shelly says, her eyes, for God's sakes, what's happened to her eyes? That was very jarring. And then it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Join us. Join us. Join us. I love that. And she goes on to talk about by the end of the time that they'll all be possessed and dead. That's the gist of Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, let's move on, Carrie, to favorite deaths and effects in Evil Dead, the original. So I'm going with Scotty and Cheryl's and the stop motion animation as they fizzle and dissolve. There's something satisfying about these lo-fi special effects. Um, you just don't see this used um, at all. So it just adds this vintage charm to the film so that those are my favorite deaths and effects. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The and, and of course, the effects from, from Cheryl's rape by the woods were awesome, even though the rape is disturbing. Um, and it's even more disturbing in the remake. It, yeah. So, Carrie, what about you? Favorite death and effects? Linda, where her head is chopped off with a shovel. And they were consistent even in the second movie where, again, her head gets chopped off with the shovel. So I like that that's consistency. But, you know, he looks at the locket afterwards. As he goes to the locket, she reaches for him. It's a good jump scare. 
A very good jump scare. So, and I'm going to go with a bonus selection. Um, the leaking bloody pipe. So he goes down into the basement mm-hmm. and he just sees the pipe dripping. And you could tell there was like a handkerchief or something wrapped around yeah. the pipe. Um, and then it just turns into like, you know, as soon as he sees like, glink, glink that it's just he, and, and, and staring it, at it and it does exactly what you want it to do it's like oh please i want this to explode in a wave of blood and it just it, this wasn't a death but that was just so much fun and that is if i had to think about an effect that carries through the mm-hmm. first three movies it's it that. is just a huge wave and splash and explosion of blood um and we'll talk about different colored blood mm-hmm. when and, we talk about yep. dead by dawn so, any other thoughts on favorite death and effects? Nope. No. Okay. No, I mean, it was all pretty much, um, you know, again, I have an issue with the scene in the woods just from a woman's perspective, but also, you know, you know, I have issues with that. Sure. So, soundtrack and sound effects in the original Evil Dead. Um. Note the music when the basement trap door, you know, it's iconic. Yeah, it's very similar. Like, duh, duh. I can't even do it justice. So that that has actually been, as somebody who was a big 90s PC gamer, um, that's been copied so much. Um, that was a big time track in 90s uh, PC games. Carrie, there's, um, there is a video game, and I actually have it on my computer now. Uh, it was like a late 90s first-person shooter like Doom, and it's called Blood. Hmm. And you're basically like a priest warrior, and you get resurrected. And it's the like almost the whole video game is a nod to Evil Dead. It I is really cool. It. Like one instead of just having like the shotgun or whatever for Doom, it has like a voodoo doll you can use to kill baddies. It's and they have it, evil that it's this was a love letter to evil dead hmm. and was one of my favorite games. And there's all the quotes. Like you hear the character say, Clato, Verada, Nikto or whatever. And he, um, like whenever you die, he gets up and says, I live again. It, you would love this game. I'm going to have to show it to you. Yeah. Cause I remember playing doom. It is a horror first person shooter. Like I would say one part evil dead, I One am... part Dracula. It's a gothic first-person shooter, like Deadites plus Dracula. Um, completely unrated and far, and it's got cultists. Far more blood than Doom. Ooh. This game is great. And my parents were mad at me for playing Doom. If your parents were mad at you for playing Doom, they would be horrified at this game. Now, like nowadays, it would be like, oh yeah, this is neat. I, but I, mean, back I had then, to sneak playing Doom, and we shared our our computer was like out in the open in the living room where everybody could see. You would I be, had to wait for everybody to go to bed and turn the volume down. So you could, yeah, because if you didn't turn the volume down, you literally hear splatter in this game. And I, I was a night owl. <laughs> Cute little river band. Um, now I'm not a night owl. Sorry, you married me. Yeah. Um, Ever since we we were together, that was the one thing I never could sleep in again. So I I do 16 want sixteen years of not <laughs> sleeping in. So can I? I want to note one thing. Um, I don't like about Evil Dead in terms of sound. Um, the sound, the volume gets a little loud 
and and pieces and you know i'm sensitive to that like mm-hmm. you know we'll go to concerts and like when it's i don't want to be too close to the speakers or i actually will get a headache very easily so it pierced my ears a little bit in this one especially like the giggling and cackling at times yeah. got a little grating got a little cheese grady for me you like that little nod that i just used mm-hmm. um we are getting really excited for evil dead rise oh i can't wait um yeah, we we I actually really want a babysitter. That that is that I I really want to experience it with you. <laughs> Stop. Feels like the first time. Feels like the very first well, time. It would be the first time we would go see to it in the theater. Movies and see Think about the it. Dead with you. It would be the first movie that of the Evil Dead franchise that we would see in the theater i'm just thinking about our fan over in belgium yeah i want to know who you are thank, belgian fan thank you for listening and thank you for putting up with us as i sing you foreigner songs about evil dead <laughs> well let, let's be clear it's not it's not singing i'm like talk singing chanting and chanting <laughs> give me an e e give me a v v give me a yeah. what's that spell evil, evil. dead um <coughs> gosh why is it every time we come down here, I've got this stupid cough? I told you to get some water. I refuse. Yeah. I keep drinking this co- this coffee. Um, Carrie, you had some other thoughts. Yeah, um, we mentioned the moon earlier. It's interesting that you think he's coming out of the house at dawn. No, after further looking at it. It's I mean, we, yes, we paused we had a, this. We had a debate and we rewound it. We've zoomed in. I'm hitting the mic. We zoomed in. We rewound this thing multiple times. To confirm. To confirm. And okay, maybe Ramey has come out and said that it's dawn. But if you really look at this, and it caught my eye, it's dusk whenever he comes out of the cabin. Okay. It's dusk. Like, in terms of just what your eye is seeing, the sun is going down. So, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, but... You are. Yeah. I mean, he, he makes it out of the house, but then we see the camera quickly moving and approaching Ash through the house, attacking him as he screams to close out the movie. I mean, really, when you think about it, it's so confusing when we were debating on whether or not it was dawn or dusk. There's birds chirping. Typically, you have birds chirping first thing in the morning. Well, especially in a movie, they like signify, like, if you think of um, A Nightmare in Elm Street, she walks out of her house the next day, and it's the morning her friends are coming to, to pick her up. And it's like this, it went from, like, the booby trap dark setting within the house where she gets Freddy to the birds chirping. It's almost like a Snow White moment. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, everything's great again. The evil is vanquished. Yeah. And it's morning and the birds are chirping. It's like spring, a new dawn. Yeah. Except we it's saw not, the sun going down, even if it is dawn. supposed to be dawn. And the birds are chirping. I mean, birds can chirp any time of day. Okay? But typically, typically but, um, that much chirping maybe, is done in the morning. <laughs> maybe we're looking too much into this. No, we're not. <laughs> so there's going to be people that are going to tell us, hey, guys, you got it wrong. And I'm I, I'm fine. It's just I noticed that it the sun's going down. Maybe did they shoot <laughs> at dawn, and that's well, why the no, birds are chirping. Because the, the 
No. Well, well maybe you can, okay, you can yes. manipulate the sun. Maybe yes, you can. Ma- <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going way, way far. If you can manipulate the sun, Carrie, we have a lot to talk about. (laughs) I can't even process that. (laughs) So, Carrie, Carrie, close us out with the closing, like, because you were really commenting about this ending and just like what makes Evil Dead one so different from the rest of the franchise. You have the fog throughout. And the grayish sky against the brown tree branches and the beautiful fall colors. The atmosphere, it's excellent, but you have this, like, you're almost... This uh, is is a bleak, early 80s, grainy, X-rated film. I mean, it earned that rating. Yes. It definitely earned that rating. But it's very bleak, and it's a very bleak ending, and you, it's not your typical ending. it's, It's classic, yeah, so... And again, final guy, or you know, mm-hmm. to be continued. Is it the final guy? We don't know. Scotty knows now, though. <laughs> oh, Scotty's gone. <laughs> By the way, Scotty's death. I noticed that the when he's burning the book, the worms and the cockroaches that are coming out. It's very uh, Halloween three esque with the and the snakes. You're right. You're right. There is a like a Samhain moment. There's a there's a pagan thing going on there, which would make sense since this book was created a long time ago. I love that. Like I, I was like, ooh, look at those bugs crawling out. I never made the connection. Like, oh, that's very much like Halloween three or Halloween three is very much like Evil Dead's yeah. with the snakes and the yeah, things this coming came out first. Um, so let's move on, Carrie. Like you help explain to me, since you're the Deadite, why is the Evil Dead franchise often viewed as the other horror franchise? Like after Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, why does that matter? And what makes it so unique compared to other franchises? Well, it definitely, it didn't shy away from the rape. I mean, it didn't shy away from the gore. You know, it went there. Yeah. So it when you're talking about first entry in a franchise, this was not just like a slasher. No. And not just that, but the ratings on this movie have changed so many times. There's times where it's released and being played where it's an NC-17 or it's unrated. So, you know, it was initially an X rating, I believe. Correct. Well, they no longer, so NC-17 is basically an X rating. They just, they don't use X ratings um, in that way. So we're going to have to look that up, but it would get, and today what people do is they just say, okay, we're not submitting this to the MPAA. But yeah, no, it did change over time. And like they had to cut things like they always do. So anyways, so what do like what do what does this do in comparison to like what other franchises do in so terms of all, focus? All the other franchisers cha- franchisers franchises franchise you can have an Evil Dead franchise. <laughs> we only take four percent of royalty. I just need a sip of wine. You have an Evil Dead pizza shop, which is actually a really mm. cool idea. <laughs> I'm the Ooh. Evil Dead. This is my Evil Dead franchise located Ooh. in. <laughs> what? Can we make an Evil Dead pizza? Oh, absolutely! We can make an Evil Dead pizza. Oh, I want to so badly. I'm gonna I'm gonna be so lazy about this. I'm like, yeah, the sauce is the blood. There's your evil dead pizza. 
<laughs> no, come on. So, okay, we're getting way I, off I know. track now. Okay. This is your fault. Let the record show. It's not my fault. You spent a lot of time talking about camera angles. Okay, you're talking about Evil Dead Pizza now. Let's compare <laughs> the two subjects and the importance in the horror podcast. So, <laughs> what everybody's learning is anything goes with the dying for midnight. So, um, all the other franchises focus on teens or co eds having sex, partying with drugs, alcohol, you know, for the first couple of entries in, in each of these franchises. Once you get past part two in each of those, a lot of the times the characters become obnoxious and it becomes even fun to watch them get killed. And you're guessing, oh, how are they going to get killed? And it's like a sport. I mean, you can make a drinking game out of it. I'm sure there has been. Yeah, Um, these are the. They're not as wholesome. Exactly. I mean, in the Evil Dead franchise, they are definitely older, they're definitely co eds. Mm-hmm. They're mostly couples, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the original. They're two couples and a sister who go to the cabin for a quiet getaway. They're not hardcore partiers. I mean, they're making dinner. They're giving speeches and it's very wholesome to each other. Yeah, they're very. This is a very wholesome couples I mean, just having fun. These are couples that very well could have ended up being married. Yeah, they are. And again, like you made a good point about from part two on, because if so. Not being a Deadite, I mean, I love these films, but not being a Deadite, my favorite franchise is Friday the 13th. And and, and I, I don't want to talk about Halloween. Like, I'm, I, I need a break from Halloween. Um, I, and I, by the way, Halloween Kills, I love, or excuse me, Halloween Ends, I love more than Halloween Kills, but that's a whole other topic. But <clears throat> you made a good point about part twos and franchises because as somebody who loves part two, Friday the 13th part two, it's my favorite slasher. After that, like you think about all the characters in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, like they're all likable. Like you had Paul mm-hmm. and Ted and Jenny. <clears throat> Excuse me, you had um, Jeff and Sandra. Yeah. You had Mark and um, what is it? Is it a? Uh, I'm trying to remember the brown the brown panty character. Anyways, very likable, and like you actually care about. I them. only remember Muffin as the dog. Poor Muffin. Aww. Well, I, I, can I? It, Again, there's that Sam Neill gif of like him chuckling when people die in a horror movie, but like sobbing whenever the the dog gets it. I'm that way. And then they cut they cut to the muffin is dead, and then they cut to the making hot dogs on the grill right after they show muffin. That gets me every yeah. time. So you make a good point about the Evil Dead characters because once you get past part two in a franchise, it's like, oh my god, this guy's a prick that woman's a bitch. Like, I don't care how they die. Like, I want to see Jason slice and dice them. You could say the same thing about Halloween. Like these, these are not people that, I mean, I, I would hang out with them, but like you can even see like in Friday the 13th, the final chapter, like even within their own group, they're fighting. Not just that, even in nightmare on Elm street, there are a bunch of teenagers and some of them are quite annoying, quite annoying or borderline criminal. So um, teenagers in itself, and, you know, they're annoying. They're going yeah. through a lot of that. You know, listen, um, you know what evil dead is? Okay. So remember the scene in Friday the 13th part two, where they're hanging out in the main lodge, they're dancing, they're playing chess, chilling out with their little handheld video games. Um, all very wholesome activities, by the way. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, Jeff and Jeff and Sandra, they're all over each other throughout this movie and that's how they die. But, um, 
Evil Dead until the Deadites arrive. Like it's like an expanded lounge scene. The whole of Evil Dead. It's like an expanded lounge scene where you never leave the counselor's lounge when the terrible shit starts happening. It's like it takes like, hey, the counselors are just we get to see the counselors chilling out. And like imagine if all of Friday the thirteenth was just right at the counselor's cabin. That that's what Evil Dead is. And it it takes the cabin and that's the whole entire movie with people that you actually care about. So anyways, Not excellent just- points about what what makes Evil Dead. And I, and I know you've got a lot more to say. Yeah, and, and not just that, but it's shot in a very small area. For the most part, the movie's in the cabin. You know, them not leaving the cabin. Or yeah. if they do leave, exactly. you know, it's the woods taking them and, you know, cursing them. But you have, I mean, look at the budget. We're talking hundreds of thousands max. Yeah, it's, like, it's under 400000 for sure. Yeah. I mean, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, they were far more polished when they began. I mean, the scripts and everything would have bigger budgets. So these were directors who had already cut their teeth. Yeah, and let me just add again that each of those franchises shifted from being about the characters being stalked and killed and being likable to the franchise shifting to the killer and again having fun with all the different ways they kill people at that point it's about the bad guy in each of those um as of like around part three and onward like things get like even like super hammy in a different way but again it becomes all about the baddie um they are supernatural whereas the main guy in this franchise ash is not it's a completely different atmosphere. No, the, but you do have supernatural elements in Evil Dead. Yeah, but no, but I'm talking about like who carries the franchise. Ash carries the franchise. Yes. He's not, he himself is not, not supernatural compared to Jason, Freddy, and, yes, and, and Michael correct. Myers. Well, Michael Myers isn't supernatural, so I wow. messed up. So the Evil Dead franchise, like the setting, the atmosphere, everything we talked about, the editing style, um, it morphs over three films into like a fantasy action comedy horror franchise while the others have funny comedic moments like campiness. They're strictly a slasher. Like to me, that's one thing that if you're going to compare evil dead to other franchises, it is so much more than just horror. Yeah. I mean, you have the evil dead. It has a lot more room to breathe in terms of storytelling in the style. You can't box in the evil dead as easily. You mentioned dungeons and dragons to me when we were watching in these. Yeah, um, especially, especially Army of Darkness. Armor of Darkness. Yeah. It it's very a big LARP. Much, it's LARPing is what that yes, is. Yes, very much. Um, look, all you need is a different book in a different location with different character dynamics and the franchise reinvents itself. I mean, the book in itself just... Yeah, I mean, there's a formula, but... You know, the book and the Deadites are dismembered, you know, and I love those other franchise, you know, but there's more lore to the Evil Dead. There's more that can be done that's not said. Yeah. There's so many different there. It lends itself to more storytelling, like expanding the way that, and I'm very excited for evil dead rise to see what little twists they put on the evil dead. Um, the dead eye lore, (coughs) pardon me. Um, I think it matters that we have something in evil dead. That's unique instead of just more, more slasher franchises. Like, 
Now, I will say we've got something new that I believe is the start of another franchise in Art the Clown. They, they took a grindhouse style, kind of like Evil Dead, mm-hmm. and combined it with a gory slasher and added in some characters that, as of part two, you do start investing in. Yeah. Like the brother and sister in, in, in Terrifier 2. I, I do think I avoid two better than the first one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I Terrifier, the original, I liked still a little bit more. But um, that's a whole other, we'll, we'll get an art in the clown some other time. But I do care about what happens to them. And Terrifier and art, um, they are mixing in fantasy, demons, religion with the usual slasher elements. I would say um, we're getting smarter as an audience by the time Evil Dead becomes bigger. <coughs> Pardon me. And now even smarter still as we've made our way and continue on. Um, from Army of Darkness to Ash versus Evil Dead, the remake, and of course, Evil Dead Rises. So I'm excited to see, again, I'm really excited. It's going to be interesting to not have Bruce Campbell in it. And it got like, oh, well, yes. There's a little Easter egg in it. I I am aware of it. So there there definitely is, and Bruce Campbell, I I was watching on YouTube when they were were at the film festival, and he's like, oh, if you can guess it, you're going to be like $50 richer or whatever. He was going to give money to somebody who noticed in some way, he was in this film. In some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I feel like I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to be distracted trying to look for him in the entire movie. And that's why we need to go see okay. it. So, Carrie, moving on to what is the difference, since you're a deadite, um, between Evil Dead fandom and other franchise fan bases? Uh, so do you think those other franchises have a widely recognized nickname for their fans? I think not. I'm a deadite, so there's that. I'm on the defense as a Friday the 13th fan. I don't have anything to call myself. See? That alone. I mean, do you, do they go to Friday the 13th screenings and everybody's called like counselors or something? I mean, it's... That's a far fetch. (laughs) Yes. No, I'm I'm reinforcing your point. I mean, it makes the fan base so unique that that alone... You're, you have a nickname. Yeah, you're then, a deadite. <clears throat> I mean, you have one, Bruce Campbell, who is still around doing interviews, you're, you're doing a, cons. Not only are you a deadite, but you're a blockhead, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. The right stuff. Bruce Campbell's got the right stuff for you, doesn't he, Carrie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially in part two. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> he's still heavily involved in recent upcoming filmmaking. And he's doing other films, too. I mean, he appeals to both men because of the action star-like character of Ash and Machismo with the one-liners. You know, Ash is a badass. And then he also appeals to women. You know, for me, again, as I just said, part two Ash is the most appealing version of Ash to women, in my opinion. And it might be changed to Army of Darkness for others, you know. But he's a fighter. And then he's also been through so much. You also have a good guy that in certain moments has been taken over by a deadite. So you get to see an evil glimpse of him. Yeah, I love that. I mean, where you take a good character and you turn him bad for a brief moment. And so then turns back. Did they did they turn him into evil Ash at all in Ash versus Evil Dead? Did they do that at all? Do you remember? I know it's a long. It, it's been a while, and okay. I have to would I would have to revisit it. But you know he does take an out in the series. Gotcha. To try and save his friends, um, but that doesn't last for long. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you... Now, I will say there's a Crystal Lake streaming series coming. There is. And Adrian King's in it. Mm. He plays Alice in the original and mm. in the beginning of part two. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, like I said, the fan base enjoyed the streaming series, Ash versus Evil Dead, so much that it reinvigorated the franchise and it made fans want more again, even though it was canceled. You know, Sam Raimi has already come out recently and said that he would be up for doing another Evil Dead movie with Bruce. <clears throat> the the April Fool's was killing me, by the way. I got you. And you didn't even realize it. What? So that little social media message I saw yeah. or, and I showed you where Bruce Campbell said Sam Raimi called me like a whatever, like a fat slob, get to the gym fat slob. Oh, that was, was a total April, April Fool's. Fools. That was an April Fool's. Oh man. I know. I just ripped her heart out thinking there's going to be an army of darkness too. I've they're, been waiting for that. No, he, they, he did say that he would be open to it. So no, not all hope is lost there. I think they're kicking the can around. I, I think they're, it, the script would have I, to be really, I have really seen good. more rumblings lately of Bruce and Raimi saying that, um, they would consider it. So I don't I don't think this is the last we've seen of Ash in action. Well, I know he wants to do more different <clears throat> things and he, he's more into the producing aspect. Mm-hmm. So I get it. So now we move on to Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Although when it first came out, that wasn't the title, Dead by Dawn. No, it was. It was? So, um, yes. So, again... We've got Bruce Campbell as Ash, of course. Um, we've got Dan Hicks as Jake. We've got a new Linda played by Denise Bixler. We've got um, Bobby Joe to go along with Jake. <laughs> Who the hell is Bobby Joe? Um, Bobby Cassie. Joe! <laughs> and that voice and the Dan Hicks, Jake voice. Um, Cassie DePava. Um We've got Sarah Barry uh, plays Annie Noby, the professors. Um, we've got um, <clears throat> John Peaks, who plays the professor. We've got Richard Damier, who plays um, the associate professor, Ed Getley. Uh, we've got Lou Hancock, who's Henrietta Noby slash the witch in the basement eventually. Um, and of course we've got a bunch of fake shemps as I was mentioning to you earlier, Carrie, mm-hmm. um, we've even, I got to do shout out, um, <coughs> pardon me to Gary Jones who plays the hand. That's his yeah. credit. Um, so Carrie, let me, let me tell you something about dead by Don. Cause you mentioned about it not being the title. And I think you're not wrong in being confused about that Yeah, because it is not clear it's not at, all, at all to this day. So no, 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 no. There, it, you, you're right. Okay. Um, there is the Evil Dead 2 poster, but then there is, <clears throat> let me start here. The cover or poster for the, the black poster, we're going to talk more about this later, says two on it, as in the number two. But when you get to the opening of, of the Evil Dead 2, it uses the Roman numerals. So right out the gate, it's confusing. Yeah. More on that later. So this is the main thing <laughs> with um, Evil Dead Two, and and again, we're gonna let me before I go into that. Um, is it a sequel? Is it a remake? Is it both? Again, the Evil Dead Two, Dead by Dawn, 
directed by Sam Raimi, written by Sam Raimi and Scott Spiegel, produced by Robert Tapert, starring Bruce Campbell, Sarah Barry, Dan Hicks, Cassie Wesley, Richard Damier, again, um, cinematography, Peter Deming, edited by Kay Davis, music by Joseph LaDuca, Renaissance Pictures, um, <coughs> bigger budget carry, like 10 mm-hmm. times its budget. Yeah. Um, at 3.5 million. Again, short movie at 84 minutes. You can do an Evil Dead trilogy like very easily. Uh, you can do a marathon very easily. Came out March 13th, 1987. So the movie, Carrie, does not open up immediately the moment Evil Dead 1 ends. Ash is back with Linda and again, Yes, a different actress. But, Carrie, you noted to me she was still wearing the Michigan shirt. Yeah, and that's actually all three Lindas are wearing the Michigan shirt. So we can't forget how awesome the atmosphere is. Okay, this reminds me of the atmosphere in, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, where it's opening with the skies that look ominous. There's seemingly what looks like a lot of painted backdrops in this movie. Yeah, and then you have this the spooky bridge there. Unless we're saying that this is a different way in, we haven't gotten to the bridge or really the carnage where it hasn't happened yet. Because again, this is a retelling of the beginning. You could argue that the Deadites won and are messing with his memories. Yeah. Um... And then you have the cabin. <laughs> it looks like a half-star upgrade, slightly more inviting than the originals. It's less run down as far as rustic cabins goes. It's a bud- It's a cabin that looks 10 times better because the budget is 10 times better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, to note, the original was filmed in Tennessee. But now for number two, we're in North Carolina. So, <laughs> so they're redoing it and uh, to start. It's a remake to start. Okay. My first question when when we saw this, I'm like trying to pick out, okay, this is a remake, the first whatever, however many minutes. So the tape recorder was in the basement in the mm-hmm. first one, wasn't it, Carrie? Yeah, it was. And so now <clears throat> the tape recorder sitting right in a common space. I like that we get a second entry from Professor Raymond Noby, by the way. It gives you more of a background on the Necronomicon. It does. Uh, I mean, now he has a family where they're checking out you know, the Kandarian castle and he finds the book and the dagger and he brings it back. So you get more history, yeah. more of a background. So the one thing to note, they had a producer now, Dino De Laurentiis. Okay. Um, and they, not only was the budget bigger, um, they upgraded from using the 16 millimeter film in Evil Dead 1 to using 35 millimeter, which was, especially in the 80s, like Carpenter loved 35 millimeter. It was a thing. Um, yeah. and, and so it, it just looks better. And by the way, the TV series kind of goes off in a way of the first movie in ways of continuity a bit and, you know, two, and, and the second one a little bit too, but it combines them okay. together. Um, so, you know, seven minutes and 24, seven, You're very, seven, 24, seven hours. No, no, seven, <laughs> seven minutes and 24 seconds into the movie. Maybe Evil Dead 2 was messing with your timeline in your head while you were watching this, Carrie. We're finally <laughs> at it being a remake to a continuation sequel. Yeah, that it, it's a re- yes. To answer the question, it is both a remake for a little bit, bit and, and then a it sequel. becomes yeah. 
Yeah, and and we all know why. I mean, everybody and, and you know anybody that's a big fan of these movies, you know why they couldn't get the rights to the first movie. They didn't own the rights to the first movie, so they couldn't use any any of the shots to redo. They had to redo it. <coughs> that's ridiculous. It is. So, um, you know, we now get a deadite Ash with a son making the evil, curing him in a way. Um. I, I, so, yeah, oh, yeah. So it's like he, we've got the evil eyes. We've got like the monstrous, like skeletal outline on his face, but like the sun comes up and okay, now it goes away. And, um, and I, if, I actually didn't remember that until you just said and it. And if I remember correctly, part of the chant to awaken the deadites, there's Nosferatu. In it, which isn't that it just means like the way of the forest or something like that. So what's odd to me is the moment we go from reformulated recap in the first seven and a half minutes to the moment he flies back through the trees. It, it makes it seem like miles, but then he wakes up and he's right next to the cabin. Yeah. So the opening really plays with your mind. Like you started saying on exactly where, when, and what exactly happens. So in this version, does Ash have a sister or she stayed at home? Um, no friends, Scotty or his girl, Shelly. Well, they do in the series, they do address Ash's sister. So, so they do note that. That she died at the cabin. He, he, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he mentions to Pablo and the other actress, Kelly, um, that the cabin took all of his friends and his sister away from him. Okay. So Evil Dead 2 has some explaining to do, um, or it, they purposely wanted us to fill in the blanks in our head. But um, so re oop, hit the mic regarding the bridge that you mentioned earlier. This is what was confusing for me out of the gate. Like the original bridge that looked like a claw. Um, it is there. So does that other more sturdier looking bridge exist or was that the one that is now destroyed? It, it could again? be the one that's destroyed and they just redid it in the same fashion. But then, by the way, when he discovers the destroyed bridge and keep in mind, he just commented about. Um, or you just commented, excuse me, about the sun keeping it away, keeping away the deadite from within him for now. I'm still confused at this point as to whether or not we started this movie at the early stages of dusk. Like we're, we're back to, I've got this question of whether it's dusk or dawn. Yeah. Well, almost 12 minutes into this movie. And, um, I would imagine like in real ash time, only 15 to 30 minutes have passed. I'm guessing since he got in the car and made it to the bridge. It could be, um, it could be a little longer than that because he did get knocked out a little bit. Look, I'm sticking with the fact that he never saw Dawn from the first movie. Oh yeah, I don't think he ever saw Dawn from the first movie. Okay, I think the Deadites were able to manipulate. Well, yeah, and why would they call this movie Dead by Dawn if we already saw a Dawn right out of the gate? Yeah. Okay, so anyway, there's a little bit of a time. I, I'm getting more confused. The more it's really the Dawn versus Dusk and this bridge confuses the hell out of me. 
So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you, after the cool looking shot of the sun going down, I loved that. You know, the backdrop, we've got what looks like this rickety bridge again from the first movie. That's what I mean. Like it shows the sturdier bridge, and all of a sudden, oop, nope, we're back to rickety bridge. So, so is there two bridges? There could be, but I don't think so. I don't think so either. I, I don't think, think so. That, yeah. Um, or, you know, like I said, they could, the deadites, they're back and they could be messing with his, his mind. And, I mean, he does touch yeah. his head a lot. Yeah. Like, he's like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, he gets flung around from his car and he, you know, in the end, attempted getaway. And we have the coolest shot of hide and seek that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Where he's like going throughout the different rooms yeah. in the house and you could see it following him. He's like, yeah. whoa. He goes around a corner. Whoa. And he's trying yeah. to get away. He's, just, he's, he's like slams the door and explodes through the door. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then it cuts to Professor Noby's daughter and her boyfriend, the associate, the associate professor. professor. Yeah. I mean, they haven't heard from her father, but again, there's no phone at the cabin. So now they're bringing missing pages of the Necrocomicon you know, back, back to the cabin. To the cabin. Mm -hmm. And I love Deadite Linda's death and, and the dancing. You know, his that scene, his head is definitely being yeah. messed with on a continual basis. I wonder if they said, let's let's pull, since this is a sequel, but we have to do a recap since we don't have the rights, like... Let's do this whole mental messing with memory to kind of explain away kinda everything. Like, to explain away everything, like, oh yeah, well, we don't really know exactly what's happening from Ash's perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, he takes, um, he takes Linda's head, the second Linda, um, her head to the cabin. And then the rest of her body follows, like he puts her head in the vice. The rest of her body follows. Well, not in the, the cabin. It's uh, in the I'm shed. So, I'm sorry, in the shed. And then the rest of her, God, oh, excuse me. Wow. <clears throat> Getting a little edgy about your franchise here, Karen. <laughs> um, that's why you're here, that you're the you're the resident evil expert. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, it takes, takes it to the shed, pardon me, puts it in the vice, and then the rest of her body follows with the chainsaw that 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 was so much fun um i mean that's where i don't mind some of the slapstick stuff but <clears throat> starting around the 10 minute mark of this movie some of the slap stuff slap stuff <laughs> i'd like to get slapped some of the slapstick stuff is starting to grate on my nerves a little bit yeah. um the repeated knocking of heads on walls and again i'm sensitive but i had the volume issue again um i I kept finding myself wanting to turn down the volume at certain times in this movie. Um, I mean, I do, I do find myself laughing when like the deer and the lamp, and this is so cool. This is what makes evil dead unique. The other non-living things in the cabin arena. I mean, like the page, like the books the, are opening and closing. This is like what I'm mouths. saying yeah. about the cabin has more, it's more of an entity. Yes. It's, it's almost possessed in its own character. In the second one. So let's talk about now. And not just that, but it looks like, you know, he's having a bad. Yeah. Now that we're talking about this, let's focus on, if we can, the difference in style and tone from Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2. Okay. So you see in the first Evil Dead movie that this was more of a straight up gory horror movie, more of a serious tone. And it feels like a low budget X rated you know, should I really be seeing this movie? <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe this was something that would be seen in like a grindhouse movie theater at yeah. first. Um, in the second movie, you have more of the comedic element, you know, starting to come out in the forefront, the slapstick. You know, there's more action to this movie than the first one. Yeah. 
I mean, more detail of the Nobis, more detail of the Necrocomicon, the history of the Deadites, and the prophecy. I mean, all of those elements. Yeah, the difference in this film, um, just from the last and then Army of Darkness from this one, like, right away, I said this earlier, like, the fact that we move from X-rated, like, grainy horror, straight-up horror, to all those different subgenres mixed in that right there is what separates it mm-hmm. yeah like and like i said the first it feels like a grindhouse horror movie mm-hmm. where dead by dawn it feels like a limited theater release that and that's what the point i was trying to make with art with terrifier too like we went from something that went from like a grindhouse to a limited release like okay this is upping its game now yeah i mean and and you know that has a vhs <laughs> video rental feel it to does. it a cult following it feels like we're in the back half of the 80s, no longer in the early 80s gritty film. You know, this is now also the early MTV era. You know, Dead by Dawn stands out. I mean, in 1987, you've had multiple franchise sequels with more on the way. Yeah, so I'm going to add that the other non-franchise horror films around this time were adding the comedic element to horror. Um, Carrie, I think of like the house movies, um, which I know you're not as familiar with. Um, they have a comedic element. There was like, once we got to the mid eighties, we started seeing more comedy mixed in with horror. Um, I, do you think that was, that was to get, gain more audience? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it, this was around the time too, that, the, and this is where Joe Bob comes in, where the drive-ins were dying. You know, the the Times Square was changing. They were getting rid of all of the grindhouse theaters. <coughs> so, Trying yeah, to make it, was, it more touristy. Horror was becoming more mainstream now at this point. So not only the house movies, there's another movie from 1987 that came out. That's a sequel. Uh, or maybe it was 1988. That's very way more comedy than horror. And, and so was the first one. So Fright Night 1985 definitely has a comedic element to it. But Fright Night Part 2, 1987, which I know you still have to finish that movie. Yeah, I, I, we started watching it. Yeah, so um, th- right around the late 80s, we got even more comedy mixed in with horror. So let's move on to Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Favorite characters and quotes. So I'm going with Henrietta Noby when she's a deadite. And by the way, they kept referring to her as a witch. Where she says, someone's in my fruit cellar. Someone with a fresh soul. That was my favorite quote. Well, you know. <laughs> the fruit cellar. It just made me chuckle. The the Necrocomicon is, says to house many entities. So it's not uncommon for it. One being a witch, another being a ghoul, another being yeah, you're right. something else. Well, an army of darkness reinforces that. There's like different ranks. There's different yeah. roles. You're right. Yeah. Um. So... I'm going with one word. Groovy. Groovy. I love that. Also, you know, I like the chant. Dead by dumb. Dead by dumb. Yeah. I, I mean, you took you. This is your franchise. You had to take like the most memorable quotes and sayings out of this. And, you know, just like the, the title. Um, I love that you picked those. Uh, favorite characters, Carrie. Besides Ash, because we know. We Nobody know. But Ash. Nobody but Ash. Um, 
I mean, so many things I want to say right now about your love for Ash. Um, so Professor Noby, he goes from just being a recorded voice on the tape recorder in Evil Dead 1 to materializing in this movie. Um, it is it is significant. And while up until that moment, again, we only hear him on the tape recorder, he holds the knowledge that the pages she's bringing back will dispel the evil. That's my favorite character in the whole entire Dead by Dawn 2. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does come back and, and warn her and tell her about all these. Yeah, save, and she's are after you. Save my soul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, who? What about you, Carrie? Who's your favorite? So for me, it's Annie. Um, simply because she doesn't shy away from trying to solve the situation. At first, she's upset and afraid given her parents are gone. You know, at first she thinks Ash murders them. But then after finding out, you know, she moves forward quite quickly to try and survive. You know, she takes her father's knowledge on the pages to drive away the evil. She's starting to see Ash as useful and knowledgeable. To her, academia-wise, knowledge equals power. You have a very different Ash in this one where he's depicted, you know, mostly in the first one as useless for the majority of the movie. And now we're moving from scared Ash to take charge Ash. Um, That's really good to note. Like, again, I can't say it enough. Like I, for some reason in my head, I like you automatically, like you think of the machismo Bruce Campbell, you think of, you know, um, Ash, the moment that he, you know, is in part two, you know, he's like, Hey, how do you like that? you know, Oh, to, you know, eat that sucker or whatever. He's, you know, he says those one liners. Yeah. He goes from being the scared friend. He really becomes like the de facto hero in the first one. It's like, there's nobody. It's like, he's more of just like, instead of take charge, he's like, okay, he's the last one standing. I mean, do you think if Scotty wasn't there, would he have survived in that first movie? Mm, well, <clears throat> we'll never know. Um, favorite death and effects carry in Evil Dead Two because that we're gonna go way off with that yeah. debate. I wouldn't if Scotty wasn't around. What would have happened? But um, while I love <laughs> the I, I mentioned earlier Linda's dance, um, I love the stop motion graphics. I actually wish movies would start using that again. It, it has a charm to it. It really the, does. The dance and the chainsaw moment. Um, we've got her like decayed boob flesh up top with, and it's just skeleton, the rest of her. Um, I love again. Um, oh no. Well, first I talked about Nobi materializing, save my soul, but I love even more so than Linda's dance and chainsaw moment. Um, the associate professor, Ed Getley, his moment as a deadite, like he like scurries across the room with his fingertips, like flailing oh, yeah. everywhere. Um, and I want to know. This is something unique, Carrie, about the Evil Dead franchise. Until this moment, we had the usual blood. We had the Black Acker. Mm-hmm. But now, with the Getly Deadite, we've got green Deadite blood. Um, again, the way he uses his hands like a vampire is a lot of fun. Um, he gets his head lopped off with an axe. That's my favorite death in effect. Um, Linda's second death <laughs> is a close second for me, though. <laughs> Well, and speaking of green blood, you know, like in Fright Night, that indicates a ghoul. Oh, yeah. You mean um, Billy mm-hmm. in Fright Night? 
his his yep. uh, caretaker. Yes. Yeah. That indicates a goal. So was Agetli a goal? Deadite. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the huge tree creature at the end had blue blood. Mm, yeah. So there's we have these different colors entities. of blood. Yeah. Yeah. So mine is actually Jake's getting swallowed up in the basement um, by Henrietta and the buckets of blood spraying everywhere on Annie. Yeah. I, and again, that's what makes Evil Dead unique is the massive amounts of blood spraying everywhere. It's so ridiculous. It's like, I yeah, I, I'm going to sound like a gatekeeper for a minute here, but like, I do appreciate when horror films do that because it's like, look, you can't take any of this seriously. Like, okay, yeah, some people can't. Like, horror is just not their thing. But I do... I do understand why they do that because it's like, come on, this is so much blood that now we're in comical territory. Like, yeah. you guys, we know what you're seeing is a little hard to take because it's horror, but like, we had a dancing naked skeleton lady with the chainsaw. Yeah, doing ballet. Doing ballet. And then we've got buckets, literally buckets, like gallons, like to bring the fire department in to replicate it. I want to know what they were on <laughs> when they came up with some of this stuff. I don't know, but it's great. So I, I'm glad when horror movies do that because it's like, hey, guys, don't don't take this seriously. We're having fun. That's why I love when you see that much blood spraying everywhere. So, Carrie, let's move on to okay. soundtrack and sound effects in Evil Dead 2. So my favorite is the Book of Evil. Um, when you have the lore and the history of the Necrocomicon. It does get you it, in the mood. It's being explained when the waters ran blood, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you tripped up. Oh. What? That doesn't say fuck. <laughs> She's just saying fuck because she gave me the middle finger. <laughs> when the waters ran red with blood. <laughs> First blood. Um, take it to the blood bank. I'll take you to the bank, the blood bank. So, <laughs> Steven Seagal moment there. Sorry, people. Um, the music, <coughs> damn cough again, is Ash is being pulled back to 1300 at the end. In the medieval music, when the knights discover him, um, and I have a point to make here in a second. Okay. He blows away the flying deadite. I'm just gonna call it the pterodactyl deadite. Um, they all kneel before him. Hail! That's my favorite track. Very epic music. You know, you see, Ash doesn't want this. No, no, doesn't want to be pulled into something even bigger. Um, just like in the pages that he saw earlier he realizes he's the chosen one whether he likes it or not hail is my favorite and then it goes to the end title here's something carrie there is a part of army of darkness that is part remake yes because, i noticed that because it doesn't end pick up right there it's there's different. no flying dead eye in the beginning yeah. whenever and it shows him as a slave of the army i mean more on that in episode 10 well, in Army of Darkness, you do have a flying deadite that takes the girl. Can you save this for episode 10, please? That's all I'm going to say. Okay, thank you for your mini preview of your thoughts for episode 10. <laughs> please drink more of more of your Kondarian wine. Kondarian. Kondarian. You say Kondarian, I say Kandarian. Um, it bothers her so much that I'm messing that up. Um, <laughs> to, 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 to just note this. Okay. I have a father. Yes. He was a teacher and educator. 
he purposely would mispronounce things just to mess with me and my mother. You always say your dad and I are alike. You are. What makes you think I'm not Eerie. doing it on purpose? <laughs> I think she's just realizing I've been messing with her a little bit. <laughs> um, You'll listen, pay. No, You'll no, pay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be real. I just keep messing it up. I'm not messing with you. <laughs> so the posters, <laughs> the posters are both classics. Okay, but let's talk about which artwork each of us prefers. So um, we are not huge. Like we like art, but we're not collectors or anything like that. I just have to note that. I have, okay, Ron Burgundy. <laughs> I have many leather bound books. My library smells of rich ma- mahogany. I wish we had a extensive collection of books. We need to rebuild a DVD library. I told you not to throw out them. The box cases. And you wouldn't listen to me. I was all about getting rid of stuff in that moment in my life. (laughs) Um, Reminder, again, that while the title card of Evil Dead 2 uses Roman numerals, numbers, I'm really going to confuse people, in Mm. Dead by Dawn, the black poster does not. It uses the number two. Um the Dead by Dawn black poster has a skeletal creep show feel to it. I prefer the original blue poster over this one. Okay. Feels more homegrown, whereas two's artwork um, feels like it's made for a franchise and for video stores, which is totally fine because it's still awesome. It feels like <clears throat> another 1988 poster, Fright Night 2, where you have the face featured on a simple monotone black background. Carrie, um, you reminded me that there's another Evil Dead 2 poster yeah. out there. In fact, the I other forgot. poster is the one that I like. It's got more color. It features both Ash and Annie along with Henrietta in the basement and the flying deadite growing across the top. I mean, basically, it's showing you this is a movie. You, do you, which poster is your favorite? Like, out of both Evil Dead 1 and 2? Probably 2. The, the one that you just the mentioned, one the colored one. Yeah. It, it, it is really unique. I, I like that a lot too. But I, I wish gonna... that there was a t-shirt of yeah. that. Oh, no, there is. There is? Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's my favorite. Reaction and rating to Evil Dead 1. Okay, let's start there. Okay, so even though I love these movies, and I do, I really do, um, for Evil Dead 1... I'm giving it a three out of five flamethrowers. I'm so, I, I am still in a state of shock I, at your rating. I, and I'll, ex- I'll explain. Okay. I don't rewatch this one a lot in comparison to the others in the franchise. Um, the reason, the reason being is it's not your typical Ash that we normally think of in Dead by Dawn or Army of Darkness. You could argue that Scotty, although he dies, could have been featured in the first one instead of Ash. Good point. It, it takes Ash most of the movie to come into the heroic Ash and does not have his comedic side come out yet at all. You know, I have, of course, I have an issue with the scene in the woods with his sister. Yep. I think the sister's death and his agony gets overlooked quite a bit. It's a sad, bleak movie. <clears throat> it is a sad movie in a lot of ways, as you mentioned. Um, I, and I'm, again, I'm surprised about this. I'm giving this four out of five flamethrowers. I can't believe that I'm rating an Evil Dead movie higher than you. I'm scoring it that high because it's my favorite out of the entire franchise. I like the bleakness. I mentioned Friday the 13th 
part two, the early eighties. Um, a lot of early eighties films rely on that bleakness. Okay. We've got, you know, cold war recession. Um, a lot of the Carpenter movies relied on the bleakness. I'd love to see this in theaters with like, with something like terrifier. Um, I actually prefer the 60 millimeter film because it, it does seem like, again, like you mentioned, like I'm watching this X rated movie that only like a select few could get access to. I mean, now we can watch it anytime, thankfully, but watching in the context of when it first came out, it looks like forbidden fruit when you watch this. And yeah, like the bleakness is effective for me. I like that no one except Ash survives. So yeah, four out of five. It's a it's a must watch for me. And I definitely, it's my favorite in the entire I feel franchise. like you've rewatched it more than me. Yes, I yeah. have. I mean, it's my favorite. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and for Evil Dead 2, I'm giving this a 3.5 out of 5 flamethrowers. Again, it's your favorite version of Ash, yet you it, don't give it a must-watch rating. Listen, I, I like this slightly more than one, okay? The only reason I didn't give it a 4 was because I'm not a huge fan of the one bit of slapstick committee. Um, committee? A slapstick committee. <laughs> We're going to rate this slapstick and tell you what the committee thinks about it. <laughs> slapstick comedy. I like a little comedy. I'm supply surprised. <laughs> what are you drinking? I'm surprised that you didn't have a Freudian slip in all of this episode, given that how much Bruce Campbell is involved. We're going to do, by the way, we're going to do a bonus rating that you're not aware of yet. Oh yeah, no, keep going, and then I'll, I'll introduce the bonus rating. I took her off guard. Ha <laughs> ha. I do. I like a little bit of the comedy, but not the slapstick. Where the hand, <laughs> and it's specifically where the hand. I think it gets a little overdone with the hand. You know, the added Necrocomicon in the Deadite history adds depth in comparison to the first. You you wouldn't have Army of Darkness without this middle chapter. The Deadites seemingly win in this one. So. <coughs> But I'm also thinking along the lines of all movies, like all horror movies. So I'm comparing it not within the Evil Dead universe, but within all horror movies is my rating. Okay. So I'm giving this one three out of five flamethrowers. Um, I actually, I dislike the slapstick even more than you do. Um, this movie actually grates on my nerves uh, in a few places, um, even more so than the first one. Like, Again, I don't hate it. I really enjoy it. Um, I do like watching this like right after the original. The ridiculousness of the movie, um, the the movie rights, it kind of trips it up for me, being that the first seven to ten minutes is like a remake. Um, not acknowledging Scotty, Shelley, Cheryl. And again, within the context of when this was released and before the Ash versus Evil Dead, not mentioning Scotty, Shelley, Cheryl, and basically redoing Linda's death twice is a little bit more annoying for me over time, even though I like those moments in it. It's just, anyways, I like that Ash turns badass here. We get the iconic chainsaw attached mm -hmm. to his hand. Um, so yeah, three out of five. Um, and I, I'm nitpicking because these are great movies. Yeah. But um, so Carrie, you do the overall DFM rating okay. and then i'm going to throw this bonus at you out of left field all right so the dfm evil dead one rating is 3.5 out of five flamethrowers and then the dfm evil dead two is a 3.25 out of five flamethrowers that should be higher i'm sorry it is what it is it should be higher why uh, didn't you rate it higher 
I'm getting attacked here, people. See? Oh, my gosh. I think you deserve at least a three and a half. Let me make it up to you right now with, sorry, I mean, this is how we roll. Uh, Let me make it up to you with our bonus rating. Okay. Dying for Midnight is going to rate Bruce Campbell and his sexiness from Evil Dead 1 to Evil Dead 2. Same thing. Okay, except out of, instead of flamethrowers, we're going thirstiness level. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the Bruce Campbell thirstiness level. How many an Evil Dead one? What do you give the Bruce Campbell thirstiness rating? What's the rating? What's the out of five? Out of five. five being okay. the best. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I want your thoughts, not just the number. So three. Three out of five for the first one. Okay, so he's a little thirsty. He's cute, and he's not a he's but not he's, a thirst trap. He's timid. He's sweet, mm-hmm. sweet but timid. Did you just put Evil Dead One Bruce Campbell in the friend zone, Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, she'll oh oh she'll never tell. You want a little something on the side with the sweet <laughs> Bruce Campbell? Okay, <laughs> little little sugar on the side. Okay, I dig it. Okay, so for Evil Dead Two. Four out of five. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, and I knew that you would rate that one higher just because of your comments earlier. <clears throat> okay. So the thirst level I mean, goes from three to four. He's just take charge mm-hmm. and definitely like, you know, the, the usefulness and like sur- survivor type of thing. Like, yeah, I'm going to beat this thing. Yeah. Wait a minute. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wait, hold up. We're in the middle of talking about how thirsty you are for Bruce Campbell. And uh, we should have had the male wolf cover his ears while you were talking the sexy talk. Uh, come here, boy. Nope. Sexy talk? Is that what we're calling it nowadays? <laughs> I don't know. I think we can say something different. Um, sexy eyes. Um, don't ask me why. Sex bomb, sex bomb. Oh, don't. Please don't bring Tom Jones into this. Oh, my gosh. It just... Look, I thought I would... See, I've I've revved her up now because I we get we did the thirst rating, okay, for Bruce Campbell. I've got some ideas if I ever get you to meet Bruce Campbell. I've got some I've got some autograph ideas where like I'm off to the side and he's got his arm around you, he's pushing me away. Okay, just like the Jason Momoa photos. Okay. Um so yeah. Oh yeah, thank you, boy. Oh, he's been so patient. Um, we've got another message from Jake, the Midnight Traveler. What's that? We, we've got some interference coming from the 12th dimension. Can you try adjusting the frequency? No? Okay. <sighs> Gosh, he must be way out there. Jake, looking forward to hearing that sexy voice of yours again. For now, guys, due to some interference, some interdimensional interference, we're going to go ahead and read Jake's letter. Case and Carrie, reasons why you should avoid rural Tennessee and reading in general. <laughs> I avoid reading anyways. Uh, I shouldn't, but I do. I've got some ones I've like two-thirds of the way through. Greetings, my hungry hounds of horror. Once again, I, Jake, the Midnight Traveler, a.k.a. Jake, a.k.a. the dude you don't want to talk to at the video store, is here to lay into one of the true titans of terror tales. Yes, this is part one in a series where we will look into the epic saga of the evil dead, arguably the most high-profile series we've tackled so far. This one is going to cover a lot of ground. Let's face it. This was another game changer in every sense of the word on just about any level you can think of from effects, writing, pacing, acting, camera work, and boy, 
Does it ever have legs? I see what you did there. Here we are fairly far into the 21st century, and we're looking back on three feature films. A remake, made with the blessings of the creators, a three-season television series, a video game, and another upcoming theatrical release in spring 2023. This legacy of this series has been truly chainsawed into the face and guts of horror forever, and it has made the careers of many both in front of and behind the camera. So before we get too far into its merits, let's get into how I wound up here and how I was able to fight off those deadites. I found out about this world, Jay continues, back when I was too scared to watch any horror. Hard to believe, I know. He goes on to say, but it's comic zaniness seemed to reach out to me and tell me that this was also funny. Wonder how young Jake was. With gore levels notched up to almost a cartoonish level, it was hard to take it too seriously. So after a while, I succumbed to the charms and dove in. A trip to box office video, RIP, he notes, on Babcock Boulevard in the Pittsburgh area. When Oh, okay, when he was in high school, was a great place to pick up stuff like this. And by the time I was entering high school, the race was on to catch up. The original Evil Dead was up, and I was ready. I knew a little bit about this one was going to offer as another film famously recapped it at the beginning of that part. So I was eager to see more of the actual story and its origin. So another Friday night found me alone with the TV and some root beer as I threw it in on the VCR. Jake, what's your favorite root beer, man? It was strange seeing a young Bruce Campbell and strange not to see him as the nonstop quip machine I've come to love from Briscoe County Jr. and Army of Darkness. A lot more on that later. Oh yeah, episode 10... And beyond, guys, there's a lot of Bruce Campbell we can cover over the next few seasons and actually see him as the somewhat timid and sheepish guy trying to get out of there to safety. I think we all agree on that, Jake. Carrie and I have noted that in this episode. Uh, He's not the the, uh, masculine machismo uh, hero. He's not the Duke Nukem right out of the gate. Um, Without question, this was... This one, meaning the original Evil Dead, has the least amount of humor and plays it as a straight as I guess any Evil Dead movie could. This, to me, was the only one in the series where you could, where you really cared about the rest of the cast emotionally. Not saying that the rest of them were without that, but it was about to go into Stooges territory after this. Completely agree, man. I guess this one, he says, has the most heart, so to speak. Yeah, there's, there's the whole brother-sister dynamic with... Uh, there uh, with Cheryl. Um, now, when asked about why they set the film up as they did, Sam Remy stated that it was the drive and that helped shape the beast that was about to become that, that this was to become. Now the crowd at a drive in is a rowdy one booze and other substances are much easier to smuggle in and other passions are out and about. So if things ever get stale at a drive in movie, then horns are honked, objects are thrown and a little bit of chaos creeps into the fray. Now, Ramey and the rest of the creative team wanted to show no mercy on the audience. They vowed right then that once the action starts, the crowd won't get a chance to get bored. The only thing that will stop it will be the credits. Hey, I agree with you, Jake. Jake says, well, they succeeded. Jake continues, now the effects and the kills. Put it this way, people. When you have a woman getting raped by a possessed tree at the beginning of the second act, then you know that, well, this ain't going to be like anything else you've seen before. Every deadite has to be chopped up into several pieces in order to be taken down. Yeah, so this hit high school Jake like a Delta 88 going at full speed. 
This would also be the first film that I ever watched with commentary. Yes, my brother in horror Todd got the DVD, and over pizza and more root beer, we heard all the behind-the-scenes dirt from Ash himself. I'm not usually a fan of such things, but that man can spin a yarn, and it's well worth the time. Yeah, I, I admittedly have not watched the commentary yet. <clears throat> Jake comments next in his letter about we're moving on with Jake to uh, Dead by Dawn Part 2. The sequel, which most people consider to be the real beginning of the series, is where we start to see the evil dead that we all know and love. Now, the original film ended with Ash succumbing to the forces of evil and turned him, but when he saw the sun, he changed back? Well, this is where the sequel picks up, after retconning most of the original cast from the first film in a flashback. Yeah, I wish they didn't have to do that, or chose not to do that. We hear more about the family of Raymond Noby, the man, the professor, who discovered the Necronomicon, whose daughter appears to see what happened to her family deep in those Tennessee hills. This is also where Ash chainsaws off his own hand for survival and gets the chainsaw attachment that is now firmly embedded in the zeitgeist of horror now and forever. Oh, that thing's iconic, man. Um, I don't think I, I'm going to think about other movies that tried to do that um, with some really unorthodox approaches to weaponry and armament. Any sense of hesitation is gone with this and they go full tilt into the black humor of what we now all love about the evil dead. While I do love all that the sequel brought to the table and how it truly shaped the rest of the series, I do have a fondness for the rougher, more serious original. Maybe because it's so different, maybe because it's a bit more serious, I don't know. Guess I'm a softie at heart. Yeah, Jake, I agree with you. That That's actually my favorite. Um, Carrie... Carrie likes part two slightly more, and I believe you've got something to talk about um, and say, you and Carrie especially, when Army of Narctus and Ash versus Evil Dead uh, is on the menu in episode 10. Jake closes out by saying, wow, I can see that I've already gone on way too long, so I'll have to bow out here. Trust me, there is much more about the Necronomicon and its twisted tales that we have to discuss, but that is for another night. Keep it here for more from the weird world of the ever-expanding universe of the evil dead. As for me, Jake says, I'm going to head out into those woods and see if I can get any action. Here's hoping I don't get splinters. See you next midnight, Jake. Ah, Jake is like you. He's, uh... He's a big Evil Dead fan, and uh, he's making some good points. So, folks, if you're listening, if you'd like to tune in for segment two, horror, etc., we are having a freestyle discussion, just a brief one, of other Sam Raimi movies that are not Evil Dead. And this will just be part one, because in part two, we'll do the same thing um, for horror, etc., where... Um, in this segment, we're going to talk about The Quick and the Dead, Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. Um, one of my personal favorites. Yes, Drag Me to Hell. Carrie loves that one, too. And Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, episode 10, segment 2. Um, we're going to take a little, give us a little more time to look into the movie's crime wave and um, some other films. So <coughs> um, that's all, folks. Again, you can find us on RSS available on any platform that you enjoy and then uh, if you'd like to support us you know feel free to to donate to us over at uh, spotify for podcasters or patreon you can also find our exclusive episodes 
fully extended, including the Segment 2 Horror, etc. as a Patreon. Carl Casey, White Bat Audio. That track was Dead by Dawn, which is appropriate. How fitting. How fitting. How cute. (laughs) Take it easy. Bye. Now listen. I'm the Dairy Queen, won't you come with me along the milkshake way? I've got lots of good surprises, fresh and yummy for you every day. There are malts and shakes and sundaes too, whenever you stop. And of course your very, very favorite, the cone with the curl on top. You don't have to just dream about Dairy Queen. Your favorite Dairy Queen treat is a refreshing reality at your nearest Dairy Queen store. Show starts in one minute. For our patrons, men, women, boys, girls, through the cooperation of leading business places, you may now have free admission to this theater. Ask for dividend tickets when you shop at... Names of merchants who give dividend tickets are listed in the lobby of the theater and on circulars at the concession stand. Dividend tickets will be accepted on all standard box office priced films. So take a circular with you today and start saving dividend tickets tomorrow when you shop. See your next movie completely free. And now, on with the show. Okay, folks, we are back for segment two, Horror Etc., where Carrie and I are just going to riff a little bit and give our thoughts on, <coughs> excuse me, other Sam Raimi movies. Um, Carrie, I was thinking like there's still a lot of them out there. Like let's just do some of them, yeah. not all of them. So, that makes sense. Oh, gosh. And so, these are probably some of our favorites anyways. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there's one that I don't like or don't find at least entertaining. Um, this first one that came to mind whenever I was putting together the episode guide, uh, was, <coughs> excuse me, the Sam Raimi film, the quick and the dead, the Western with, uh, Sharon Stone and Gene Hackman. And I didn't even realize he did this movie. Russell Crowe and, um, a young Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh yeah. And <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> well, come on. My 12th birthday, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, I've taken it in the context of. Yeah. Uh, ooh. Um, so I forgot. Oh, I forgot that Lance. Uh, Henriksen. Henriksen. Yeah. I can't even think of his name. Shame on me, Lance. <coughs> um, I'm a big Lance Henriksen fan. So let me let me say something about this movie because you forget how many people are in this movie. Oh, yeah. And I'm not just talking. Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Leonardo DiCaprio. Remember Russell Crowe, okay, plays Court, okay. Uh, Tobin Bell, aka Jigsaw, okay, oh, yeah. has a is a character in here. Roberts Blossom is in here. Kevin Conway, Carrie Sinise. Hey, hey, Carrie. Oh yeah. Keith David, one of your favorite horror actors, just because of the thing. Oh yeah. Um, again, Lance, uh, Pat Hingle, that guy plays Horace the bartender. 
he um he's in a ton of movies this guy okay yeah (laughs) gary sinise i just said gary sinise i well i'm following up what you're saying do you remember like when our son was i don't know like two to four he i always said he like the way his hair was he looked like gary sinise i don't know if you remember me saying that and he was obsessed with the moon i mean he still is obsessed with the moon oh you got the apollo 13 vibe going on there yeah um I've got to add one other person to this list, and this is this Mark Boone Jr. Um, he was in a bunch of stuff, too. Oh, my gosh. He was in so much stuff. So um, he was in Batman Begins. Oh, and 30 Days a Night, And too. 30 Days a Night. Remember, he was like the drunkard. The yeah. Bo- the, wasn't he more of like, well, I guess they were all prepper types. Okay, but Mark Boone Jr. has an awesome filmography um you need to watch memento by the way i I think i've seen memento okay well maybe uh, not with you um the poster for the quick and the dead um is just like the question of like you think you're quick enough and the the shootouts and this this movie is basically one big shootout movie i mean i know a lot of westerns are but this one an epic shootout movie I kind of disagree with you that it's epic. I, uh, you know what this feels like? It feels like Tarantino influenced this film. Like that, it feels like Tarantino could have done this movie. And I'm sure this was because Tarantino loves westerns, so I'm sure this was one of the movies that he watched. Um, <clears throat> one of my, I love how much of an, like, look at that. Like we're watching the trailer right now, like. Gene Hackman usually plays a hard ass in most of the movies. Like I think of Popeye Doyle and the French connection. Um, But in this movie, I mean, he is one rotten son of a bitch in this movie. He's despicable. Sharon Stone's dad, Gary Sinise. Um, Lance Henriksen character in this film is so over the top, like, you know, dressed in all black, like the cut, the bad cowboy dressed in all black. Um, and really like the kid Leonardo DiCaprio is the kid he's so tiny compared to everybody else like he truly is a kid in this film oh yeah um you know Sharon Stone's character was super ahead of its time it really was to feature a female well not even just the female but like the way that she's dressed her attitude in this the fact that um she's unconventional it's a very unconventional like whole approach to this character. Cause not only like, okay, yeah, she's badass, She's the quickest gun in this entire movie. Right. <clears throat> but she goes back and forth between being very sensual to being this hard ass gunslinger. Um, and of course, motivated by her dad's death there at the hands of Gene Hackman, whenever she was younger, a uh, man, she is let go. She is not let go of that. She is ruthless. So this movie is such a because it's a western it's got that see that's what i wanted to talk about you see that shot of the clock and it has that sam raimi like zoom in mm-hmm. okay it's got see that see the shots where it's like quick cutting yeah fast zooming in um you can tell he's definitely honed since yeah um i would have loved if bruce campbell was in this movie like I, I could have seen him having a very small role. Oh yeah. 
uh, in this. Um, I love that it's a revenge. Yeah, it's a revenge movie. Um, And, you know, what year did this come out? Um, 1995. 1995. I was going to say mid-90s. Like, this... This was the beginning of the of Tarantino's career, basically. Like it's just it's got that pulpy feel to it. Yes, pulp fiction. But like you could actually pair this movie with like From Dust Till Dawn. It's got oh, yeah. that kind of feel. Yeah, that vibe. To it, that vibe to it. Like it's it's gonna be violent. People are gonna die into it. Die into it. Die in it. And <clears throat> It's a cast full of characters. Mm-hmm. They're all characters. They're all characters, like very specific. Each character is so different from the next. Um, <clears throat> in a way, like from dusk till dawn, almost feels like a like a spiritual part of the same universe as the Quick of the Dead. It just has that feel to it. I'm not saying like it's really connected to it, but you know yeah. what I mean? It's just that it's got the mid nineties feel to it. Yeah. And then we have probably Sam Raimi's most popular of outside all, of evil, outside Dead. of evil yeah. dead Spider-Man one, two and three. So <clears throat> with Tobey Maguire, with Tobey Maguire. So can I just say for a moment, I would say probably my favorite Marvel film is my two favorites are Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um like even more like I I I just thought Love and Thunder was okay. It was okay. I still prefer um Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is still my favorite. That's my favorite Thor. But can you imagine if Thor Ragnarok was never made? The Thor movies would be fairly they, just like man. Yeah, I mean the you have the first. The first one's entertaining. It's entertaining, but the like, second one was just. <clears throat> but in terms of like where I would put it compared to the other Avengers, like it would be near the last. Like uh, in terms of entertaining, like if it wasn't for Ragnarok, it would be like ah, oh, those Thor movies were a little disappointing. I would for me. For I me. mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed seeing Natalie Portman come back for. Love and Thunder. I enjoyed that. I, I did twist. too. I did too. And I just, um, yeah, I, I I am glad that there's not going to be any more Thor movies, and that it's we're just going to be Guardian. We're going to see him in Volume Three of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is I think that's quickly approaching us here too, right? A few months out. I think. Is it around your birthday? Mm, it's in, it's a summertime release, right? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know spring anymore. or summer. Anyways, it's coming. Um, it might be more <laughs> July. So. I love I loved that we've gotten the multiple Peter Parkers that the original Sam Raimi Spider-Mans are now connected as are the um the amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man yeah. with um And I actually enjoy the amazing Spider-Man. <clears throat> I enjoyed the first one. With Andrew Andrew Garfield. Mhm. Yeah, and I actually have heard rumblings that he's going to get another Spider-Man movie since like he he basically like he kind of stole the he show. He stole a the bit. show in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say he's kind of like the heart of No Way Home. Yeah. He really is. He and is. The the moment like he catches Zendaya, his character's reliving that, that, um, yeah, dropping. terrible drop. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about first of all. <laughs> is it? 
I'm I'm gonna skip ahead to the other movies before, if I'm not too careful. So Bruce Campbell is in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, okay? he is. He plays, uh, and I immediately part two. He's like the theater attendant. Yeah, and uh, it's like part two. Let me back up. There is no question that Willem Dafoe is like the best version of Goblin that you could possibly get. Yeah. There's no way anybody mm-hmm. else could play Goblin. No, like there's just like yes, eventually somebody will, but. <clears throat> you've got the cream of the crop. Yeah. Um and 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 he's and, a, he was on theater. I mean, he that's how he started his career on theater. So that aspect alone, the casting and especially the first two Spider-Man, like even in the third, okay, it was very good. Like you've <clears throat> to recognize that James Franco and and the skill or the just the talent that James Franco had from Freaks and Geeks. Oh yeah. I mean, this is one of James Franco's like breakout films. It is. It is this. And um it made him a household name. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst. I'm not a huge Kirsten Dunst fan. I, I, I hear just, a lot of people aren't. Well I've got some I've got some negative vibes from from Kirsten Dunst, but uh that's a whole other Bottle wax, but no, the the first one I've got to go with like Willem Dafoe is my favorite actor in that entire movie. Um, like the woman who plays Aunt May, um, and I, I might as well give her credit where it's due here. Yeah, I mean, Spider Man. Um, there's so many Spider Man movies now, I can't just type oh it into God. IMDb and five bajillion, um, pop up. What is it, 2002? Okay, yeah, senior year of high school. I remember going to see this. Um, The woman who plays Aunt May. Oh, yeah, Rosemary Harris. Yeah. uh, Plays May Parker. Um, Cliff Robertson, who was in a ton of movies. Oh, my God, Um, Joe Manganiello is in it. Yeah, plays Flash. He's the bully. That's right. Yeah, he plays Flash Thompson. Okay, dude. Back then, J.K. Simmons was like, oh, yeah, I saw that guy in something. 20 years later, J.K. Simmons is the man. The dude's oh, an yeah. Academy Award winner. Uh, I love that drumming movie with him and Miles Teller. Mm-hmm. That was a very good movie. Love it. Um, but dude, William Dafoe. <laughs> I love the memes, by the way, <clears throat> of William Dafoe talking to Pete, to Peter to Toby Maguire's Peter Parker. Was, I'm, I'm a bit of a, what does he say? I'm, I'm something of a scientist myself or whatever. Yeah. Just the <clears throat> William Dafoe's range. How he can go from serious to comedic to maniacal to like, <clears throat> and I loved him in Daybreakers. I, I know that's not a big, you're not a big fan of that movie. No, no, no. I like it, but you will find a way to connect Daybreakers <laughs> to every th- single thing that we talk about. <clears throat> um, which <clears throat> I feel like everybody says seven degrees, or what is it? Is it six or seven degrees that Kevin six. Bacon? So. I feel like we're actually at the point where you could just do three degrees to, to um, Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah. So that's Spider-Man 1. I mean, that one has a lot of emotion to it. Carrie, do you remember the um, the patriotic themes to these the first Spider-Man movie? Like, remember, this is like post 9-11. Yeah. It, remember, like the whole thing was Spider-Man on top of the skyscraper with the American flag. I do remember. Um. I'm just, I'm reminiscing about when these movies came out and what were the themes of the day. So you have in past movies, you, and you see it whenever we watch certain movies, you see it. There's always shots of the two towers beforehand. 
Yeah. And then after it's just, it's just, it, it's like a hole, a gaping hole mm-hmm. that's there. So let's move on to Spider-Man two. Um, because I've got to talk about another guy. Um, and that, that came out, they, they made these relatively quickly. This came they out did. a couple years later. Um, I remember going to see this in college. I graduated high school now with Spider-Man one, Spider-Man two. Who did you go with? Um, that's a really good question. Did I, did I see this back at home? It might've been, if these came out in May, it might've been like, I saw it with one of my old high school. Cause friends. you didn't, you didn't see it with me. No, I don't, I didn't see any of the first three with you. Mm-mm. Um, and in fact, the Spider-Man three, I didn't see it all in theaters. Um, so We've got to talk about part two because we got yeah. to talk about another oh, uh, yeah. top Al- of his game. Alfred Molina Alfred is a Doc Molina. Hawk who also comes back in No Way Home, which I really loved that too. Um, not just not just the two Peters. We got Willem Dafoe back in No Way Home and we get Alfred Molina back, which is awesome. And J.K. Simmons comes back too. But yeah. um, in part two. And Bill Nunn. <laughs> she drops don't, the Bill, she drops the Bill, the Bill Nunn reference. Don't forget about that. Um Dude, I forgot Elizabeth Banks was in this. Oh yeah, she yeah okay. she played. <laughs> so Bruce Campbell's official title, and this is the Snooty, Snooty Usher. Usher. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> oh god, I gotta scroll the page before Carrie starts to drool. <laughs> Quit looking at Bruce Campbell so lovingly. Um, so Dylan Baker, remember him from Trick or Treat, Carrie? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. Um, Doctor Kurt Connors. Yeah, he played very maniacal. So, well, not quite yet, though, because so my understanding is that, um, first of all, let's let's talk about. So we'll talk about Kirk Connors first. So, do you remember like he was supposed to play like the lizard? Yeah. So that was the original plan, was for him to turn, um into the lizard and him be like the main baddie in part three. And was he the main baddie? No, he was not the main baddie. He, the, the, um, the other guy, the English actor ended up being Dr. Connors in the amazing Spider-Man played the lizard. The guy, the, the roommate from uh, Notting Hill. What's his name? What's the actor's name? The funny guy. Oh, and he was he was in Pirate Radio, which is another can, movie we love. I can picture him, his, but I can't. His name is escaping my mind. But I love him. Him as an actor, you want to talk about range? Oh, and oh my, oh my God. yeah. So from from like schlubby guy, comedic guy, to he's a high tower in Game of Thrones. I know House of Dragon. I mean, you want yeah. to talk about career that he's had? Oh yeah. Dude, he's turned into like a, he's turned into like, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he always has been, but like in terms of fans, um, now we're going to diverge a little bit to pirate radio because we got, we got to figure out, um, give him his due. What is it? Does pirate radio not exist now? What's going on here with pirate radio? What? No pirate radio on IMDb. This is really weird. That is really weird. Oh, the boat that rocked. I didn't know it was called that. Oh yeah. So uh, Reese Evans, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, right. is it Rice? Right. Or maybe it's Reese. We are butchering his name. 
That's a great movie, though. Bill Nye. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I love Bill Nye. Rest in peace, Philip Seymour (gasps) Hoffman. Kenneth. Yeah. Kenneth Browning. Yeah, you like him? Yes. Oh, well, you know, much to do about nothing. <clears throat> yeah, Nick Frost, which I love. Chris Chris O'Dowd, he's a good actor too. Um, okay, so bringing it back to Sam Raimi films, Gary. <laughs> the third one, The oh, before I move on, I was going to say this after Dr. Connors. I love the moment where Spider-Man is trying to stop the train from wrecking in Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, half of his face is showing and all yep. the people are like putting their arms around Spider-Man and helping him out. Like that was a really cool touching moment. And and they say he's just a kid. Yeah, exactly. They, he's just a kid. It wasn't who they imagined him yep. to be. They thought he was this big heroic, probably like 30 year old or 28 year old like, type of guy. Uh, yeah. Very physical specimen. Like, Oh yeah. He's like got the jawline. I don't know. Yeah, like no, this is a, this the, is like a college kid basically. Like, he's just a kid. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Spider-Man 3, I've got a lot of problems with Spider-Man 3. One of them not being Thomas Hayden Church, but the fact that they relied so even more heavily on CGI. And you've got Topher Grace as Eddie Brock. Yeah. Which, thank goodness, we've got Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock now because he's a much better version of... Like, I love Topher Grace. Oh, I love Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy. I'm glad that he's Venom. But this Venom is, like, not Venom-y enough. Like, it became more like the suit. The symbiote suit was just, like, a, an entity, and it didn't have a... Um, it wasn't a character like it is in the new Venom movies. Yeah. Like, living as... Like, they didn't yeah. make the symbiote a character. It was just like, oh, yeah, it's the stuck suit. to me. It's a suit. It's just sticking to him. Yeah. Like, it's, it won't get off of me. That's all it was in Spider-Man 3. And I love that they voiced the symbiote in the second one and it's a whole separate character and the interaction between him and tom hardy's eddie brock yeah it's chef's kiss i love and i love that they're gonna have tom hardy's venom interact with tom holland's spider-man very soon i have no clue what film that's gonna be in but it's coming it's coming it's one of those that's gonna be great yeah okay i love i love that so spider-man 3 oof um it is a a lot of times you get to the third movie, people are tired of it. And that's how I felt. Well, well, and I didn't need more Kirsten Dunst. Okay. <laughs> well, let me put it this way. So don't you think that at the time that movie came out, a lot of movies were experimenting with CGI that maybe heavily, that maybe that they would have been better movies had they not <laughs> gone as CGI. Are you saying this came out in the age of the Star Wars prequels where George Lucas got really enthralled by CGI? Yes. And, <laughs> and that so did the likes of Lord of the Rings, yes. which while I love those movies even more than the Star Wars prequels, Sans Revenge of the Sith, which is awesome. It's still like my top three Star Wars films. But anyways, no... The webs throughout the skyscraper and the taxi car falling through the webs and a very weird goblin like son of can we call it son of goblin with James Franco. He's got the he's got the scarred face at this point. He's like trying to be like his dad on the glider, but it's like he's wearing like this paintball mask in this movie. It just I wish they would have just done something different with him or just show him scarred. I feel like Thomas Hayden Church kind of stole that movie. Thomas Hayden Church stole that movie. I couldn't stop looking at his terrible buzz cut. 
<laughs> his like flat top hair. He looked like a comic book character, like with like the striped shirt. Yeah. Like you could see like the the like the set like a seventies like Spider Man meets Sandman, and he's got like this on the comic. Um, people, I forget people can't see me right now. So <laughs> oh, leave me alone if they could. <laughs> See what I mean? This is all about Bruce Campbell and she's being so mean to me. I I'm get it, Carrie. being mean. Uh, I'm going to cry now. So, <laughs> Oh, come on. We're going to... I'm just messing. We're going to go. We're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Let, Lou, you hear how... You want to talk about maniacal? You're going... Maniacal. Oh, yeah. You're having so much fun pissing all over me in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Bruce Campbell's gonna take me away and I'm gonna kick you while you're down. No. <laughs> you you've got a goblin laugh going on there. <laughs> gonna get you, Peter Parker. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like, look how hot and sexy I am now with the Willem Dafoe impression. Um when I go back and listen to this, it's not gonna be as good as it is in my head. <laughs> um yeah, I love William Defoe, but he's, you know, does oh, you want to know why I love William Defoe in Spider-Man 1? Because he his character hates Kirsten Dunst even more than I do. <laughs> I don't really hate Kirsten Dunst, but doesn't he like he calls her like a little whore or something he like does. that? He does. Yeah, it's like I don't know if he's like slut or whore. Um, it might be both. Yeah. Your slut girlfriend Peter Parker. Yeah. <laughs> Um, something like that. Oh, the scene in Spider-Man one where they're sitting down having the meal and it dawns on Norman Osborn who Peter Parker, like he's starting to put two and two together. Yeah. There's so much tensity. There's so, so much tense tensity. There's so much tenseness in that scene. Like you can cut through that. Like with a knife. And Aunt the May is the that... one that reins it back in. <laughs> oh, I love Willem Dafoe in this movie. That's another man crush, Willem Dafoe. Um, let's move on, Carrie, to drag <laughs> me to hell. Probably one of my favorites. We need to communicate <laughs> with <laughs> Justin Long <laughs> and Sam Raimi. Please talk to us. Uh we need a Drag Me to Hell sequel. Yes, come on. I, I need to see what happens afterwards, even if it's years later. Do it. I need to see. I mean, you could do so many things. Um, you could even do a prequel. I mean, for goodness sakes, why, you know, where did that, the gypsy, where did she get that? Get what? The curse. How did she know the curse? I mean, there's that whole other element that you could go off of. I mean, you have that aspect. Um, you have the whole, like, her being dragged to hell. What happens when she gets to hell? What happens to her? You know, is she being tortured? Is she being, you know, taken over, made into a monster, come back for revenge against Justin Long because... You know, I mean, shit, he didn't believe her. He thought she was just, you know, hallucinating, making things up under, you know, duress and stress from trying to get a promotion that, I mean, my goodness, the he did not believe her. The po So this movie, more than any other movie, 
feels like it's in the same universe as Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. It is. It's almost like it's like now nah, I can't I can't do an Evil Dead movie with Bruce Campbell right now, but I'm gonna do something that is very much like an Evil Dead movie. Yeah. Very much. The camera shots. It's almost like he was like getting back to his roots with Drag Me to Hell. Like I just remember like, oh yeah, like the way that she acts, she starts acting like a badass, like starts getting hard ass throughout this movie. <clears throat> starts off timid, mm-hmm. gets hardened as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the scene in the graveyard where she she's trying to bury the coin to give it back. Mm-hmm. And then it's raining. It's, ve- it's, it's very, very much Evil Dead. Yeah. Th- I mean, come on. This is a cousin to Evil Dead. Yeah. It, it it just is same There's universe. No, it's the same universe. Okay, you can't tell me, especially the gypsy lady in the beginning. That's all deadite right there. Yeah, she's a deadite. Come on, can we just say that she like without coming without out coming and confirming it, it, she's unofficially officially a deadite? Uh, uh, it's pretty it damn could, close, yeah. Gary. I mean, it's like on the nose at this yeah. point. Yeah, it's definitely a, it, it, at the very least, it's a nod. So this poster I love and it's very early 2000s like with the it if this came out today people like bad photoshop job <laughs> okay and I'm not I'm not knocking the art the poster artist at all it's it just has that feel of being made in the 2000s um it's got it's the hellfire the hellfire looks like it was made on the computer um Christine and I, I love it. It's a good, it's a cool poster. Christine Brown has a good job, a great boyfriend, and a bright future. But in three days, she's going to hell. I love that. that and I lo- she I does like that that's go elongated. to hell. Oh yeah. Oh, how about the shot at the end? Um, spoiler, guys. That uh, I mean, the whole Let's, movie title is a spoiler. Yeah. She is going to hell. She's going to hell. Drag me to hell. And yeah. here's the fight. So yeah. she, you know, you just what's don't know happening. how she gets to hell. So. Can I note that this is a PG-13 movie, by the way? It's not rated R. Well, you know what? For for a PG-13 movie, it has to be one of the better PG-13 movies. Um, <laughs> Shout out to David Paymer, by the way, who plays Mr. Jax. Oh, um, yeah. That guy, boss. That guy, yeah, that guy's in everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, where have I seen him lately? Uh, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. He plays the, like, the the comedic agent like the number one agent for comedians yeah um yeah oh yeah there's we're watching the trailer yeah yep but uh how about at the station at the end yes you can see long finally he's like in denial that he can't believe this entire time that she was telling him all this shit that was happening Oh my God. He just, the realization on his face was yeah, just like his like, eyes get wider and you can see the flame reflection in his eyes. He's so mortified. He's like, Oh my God, she wasn't lying. And it's like, she wasn't making this up. Like it, it wasn't stress. It was like, Holy shit. This was fucking real. And for the past 15 years, for the past 15 years, Clay Dalton has been figuring out a way to get her out of hell. That's the sequel, right? Or, like I said to you, here's a chick- fan fiction. He could be too chicken he shit. He could be too chicken shit, right? But here's the other idea. Hey, boyfriend. Hey, Clay. 
I've been in hell for the past 15 years. Why haven't you tried to come get me? And she comes back as some kind of hellish demon or something like that to That'd get her revenge. Cool. Anyways, that's just a fan moment. But um, I love, I'll tell you who, uh, Dalip Rao, Ram Joss in this movie, mm-hmm. who plays the expert. Oh, yeah. Doesn't he, he, he tries to help her with the tarot reading and... He, he is a better version of the little lady in Poltergeist, okay? That's his like role the in this movie. little lady in Poltergeist. Okay, but no, but he's like, every time Dalip Rao talks in this movie, he, excuse me, sucks you in. It's like, you have, you have beckoned something that you do not yet understand. Like, he just... He like sets the tone. He's like, you don't know what kind of dark magic you're playing with. I know this is an actual dialogue, yeah. but he sucks you in. It's like, oh shit, this is a serious situation every time he talks. Um, <clears throat> I just love that about him. So, yeah, I mean, I've been clamoring. We both have, especially you, for a sequel to Drag Me to Hell. Um, I've wanted it for a long time. And honestly, every time I see Justin Long is going to be in a movie like a horror movie or horror adjacent. And he's just coming back to horror. Roots. Yeah. Yeah. We just saw a <laughs> barbarian. Oh my God. That uh, was... And I loved that movie. Yeah, and, it was, that was good. I think there's, I think I read where they're talking about making a prequel with that guy set in the seventies. <clears throat> um, and then what was the other one? Uh, House of Darkness. I enjoyed House of Darkness very much. I wasn't in the right frame of mind. I just thought it was okay. If if you want to watch something that's heavy on dialogue, where you've really got to pay attention to the dialogue, that that's it, that's it, a good movie. It ramps up. It it's ramps not up. A, it's not a scary movie. Like parts of it are kind of spooky, but it's not really like it's not a gore fest. Like there's a couple moments that are pretty gory in it. Um, but ju- but dude, Justin Long. He he's not just a, the boyfriend. He's an asshole in the movie. I was movie. just going to say, in and both it, movies, in both movies, he's oh, a dick. Oh, I don't want to spoil Barbarian, but yeah. he is way more than just the dickhead yeah. in Barbarian. <clears throat> um, and if you have seen it, you know what we're talking about. I love Justin Long's filmography. I remember being with my ex-girlfriend going to a blockbuster and renting Jeepers Creepers. Really? Yes. That's the first time I saw Jeepers How did that go over? Creepers. Oh, well, you know, it was all me that wanted to watch. I know that. Creepers, right? She was I'm, not into I'm... it at all. She's like, can we watch 10 or well, no, I love 10 things I hate about you. Can we watch like how to lose a guy in 10 days? I can't even remember what it was. It was like, oh, crap. Here we go. Another rom-com like, OK. Oh, come on. You, at least my taste in rom-coms are really good <laughs> for a rom-com. OK, <laughs> come on now. No, you're right. Like, you would watch 10 Things I Hate About You, which is not really a rom-com. But that's up there for us. It's not. That's not really Mystic a romantic pizza. comedy. Oh, well, Mystic Pizza is a romantic yeah. comedy, but that's got more to it than a normal romance. Like, romantic... Oh, you want to know who your number one romantic... Um, it, it it's It's Patrick Dempsey. And it's Lucky Seven. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. I when love we were in college. That movie. I forced you to watch that movie. I don't care if I ever watch that again. I'm glad you love it. Great. But I will t- another romantic comedy that I love. We actually went to the theater to see it, Made of Honor. Yeah. I and love I love that. that movie. That was funny as hell. I, I still love that movie. It's... That was an R rated romantic comedy. Yeah. Which is oops, a little it was mic. a little, little raunchy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I loved it. It's like, okay, that 
guys, if you haven't, if you're, if you're significant other wants to watch a romantic comedy mystic pizza because it's got plenty of sexy moments in it i've said this in another episode shit two episodes where i talk about <laughs> mystic pizza listen we all know what case's favorite romantic comedy is it's mystic pizza so um maid of honor and i'm sure a lot of you have watched both of those movies but those are two like you're I'm sure your significant other, if there's into rom-coms, they've seen those. But like, if they haven't, jump all over that. You would have to be remiss not to mention Notting Hill, though. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Notting, Notting Hill. Hill. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that alone, you want to talk about the link of the sexiness and little moments and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I'm, I'm glad that it's got, it, it, it's got really quirky, um, it's got quirky, quippy yeah. moments to it that are fun. And then for me, going back for even further, much ado about nothing. Okay. I love. I, oh, I, you. I, what you know? What the other one you used to talk about a lot was it like what is it like a walk among the clouds or something? Oh uh, yeah. Um, you used to talk about that a lot. A but, lot. A walk in the clouds. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I, don't know. I went so to the movie theater to see Keanu that. Reeves. In, oh my gosh. Keanu Reeves and clouds. That's all I remember. Um, They're stomping the grapes. Yeah. She's pregnant by somebody else. Some, uh, a professor. Never watched it. And if I did, I probably was ignoring it or doing something else. Um, so, yeah. So let's talk about now, Carrie, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I feel like I wasn't able to enjoy that movie as much as I wanted to. Because we did go to the theater. We took the kids to the theater to see it. You know, we're thinking, oh, okay. You know, Doctor Strange movie. Um, it's another Marvel movie. Oh, okay. No worries. We don't have to, you know, read up on it. And, you know, it was a lot darker. It was a very hard PG thirteen. It could it could there is moments where it could have gone for that. R so rating. this is like with the Wolverine movie. It's like I, I wish that there was another cut where they added blood and you know more violence and whatnot. Um, I definitely, especially when you look at the zombie version. Mm-hmm. Um, oops, sorry for the sound, folks. Um, <coughs> that I mean that the zombie version of Doctor Strange that has Evil Dead written all over it. It does, yeah. Okay, I mean Doctor Strange at one point in this movie looks like a deadite. Yeah. Um, you've got dark magic rituals in this movie. And it's a lot of death. A lot of death in this movie. A lot of death, which I did not read up on. Um, our little guy, he has a big issue with death. Um, and the fact that he does not want to acknowledge it. No. Yeah. Everybody deals with it in their own way. So yeah. what I loved about this was we got our John Krasinski as, uh, as Mr. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. We had, we had, um, Professor X shows up in this movie that that's what I loved about Dr. Yeah. Strange in the multiverse. Um, oh, and one of my favorites. Yes. Okay. You had uh, Haley Atwell. Yes. Uh, who plays uh, what? Captain. What is it? Captain Britain? Or what What do you call that character? Well, I, um, and see, this is, this is where, because it's different. Um, 
Well, first she plays Peggy Carter, and then yes. there's the show Peggy Agent Carter. Carter. Agent, Agent Carter. Agent Carter, Which yeah. I loved Agent Carter. <coughs> oh, I you know really what? They call, they call her Captain Carter. So, insta- Captain Carter. so instead of it being Captain America, she's it's Captain, Captain Carter. Carter. It's, again, the multi- it's a different multiverse where she takes the serum instead of Steve Rogers. Got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You never watched Agent Carter. No, I, I watched like maybe like a season's worth of episodes with you. I, I didn't go like all the way like you did. Um. Yeah, yeah, I like her a lot, and I think she's really cool in all the Marvel stuff that she's done. Um, <clears throat> the other thing about this, who really owns in this movie, I I love. I wasn't a huge. Um, I wasn't a huge WandaVision fan. Like I just thought it was okay. I think I probably enjoyed it a little bit more than you did. The kids liked it. Yeah. Um, I liked the America Chavez character. I don't know if you know about that character from the comics or not, Karen. I, I don't. Know you're not a comic book person, but we're going to see more of America Chavez character. Um, <clears throat> Elizabeth Olsen, Wanda. She was actually, this is my favorite version of Wanda out of any, that character. It's a dark version of Wanda. Yeah. Probably why I like it the most out of all the times we've seen the Scarlet Witch. Um, I, you know, I think why I loved the WandaVision so much series was probably because she had the twins. Yeah. You know, and that, uh, you know, somebody that's given birth to twins, I can identify with that. Hmm. By the way, I, I thought for a while there that he was, we were going to get a Fantastic Four with John Krasinski. Or they're, they're not. It's not happening. It's not happening. No. no or, or if there is a Fantastic Four, he's not a part of it. So that really? truly was just a one-off moment. Because mm. I, I, I thought I thought Emily Blunt was going to be. I know. I thought Emily Mrs. Blunt Fantastic. was going to be, gonna be um, Mrs. Richards. But no. Um, the one thing that I, the one rumor that I remember from the Multiverse of Madness is that we were going to see an alternate Tony Stark with Tom Cruise and it never happened. Never you remember happened. that rumor? I, I bet they put that rumor out there on purpose just to mess with could you. Could be. Could be. Did they do there, that? There are some other um, characters that Tom Cruise could play and he has said that uh, he would, it would have to be something that he think that the audience would really like. But I, I love that trailer. Remember I showed you like if they did the Avengers in the 90s? Oh yeah. How Keanu Reeves would have been Doctor Strange. And Tom Cruise would have been Iron Man. Um, I'm a big Keanu Reeves fan. Yeah. I love him. Well, he seems like a good dude. Oh, one more shout out. We got Bruce yeah. to, to close out horror, etc. <laughs> Carrie, who was Bruce Campbell in this movie? Pizza Papa. Pizza Papa. Got to mention Pizza Papa to close <laughs> it out. Carrie, any other thirsty thoughts about Evil Dead, horror, etc. segment here, or just Bruce Campbell in general? I love Bruce Campbell. I love Ash. What is the first thing? If you met Bruce Campbell, what would be the first thing that you said? Oh my God. I probably would be like completely, I don't know that I would say anything. I'd probably be like stunned. Like, oh my God. There's I'm that really... Lonely Island song I'm about to reference. <laughs> no, I'm really beating dun, Bruce Campbell. Dun, oh my dun, God. Dun. Ash. Oh my God. Like I probably oh, would face. be like, <laughs> probably like, uh, hi. <laughs> hi, Bruce Campbell. Will you marry me? <laughs> hey gang that wraps it up for episode 9 in episode 10 we're going to talk about army of darkness in the ash versus evil dead series as we anticipate and get excited about new zealand's evil dead rise ciao gang